Cradleine Network. Borag dong, Earthlets. My name is Conrad, and welcome to another in our series of Space Spinner 2000 Collected Episodes. Our goal with these is to collect our coverage of top 2080 thrills and storylines in one place so you can easily listen to them in one go. They're a great accompaniment to reading the 2080 collections that Rebellion publishes or just hear us talk about the good stuff without being interrupted by all that other stuff. Kiss my axe! Slain is back and kicking ass all over the land of the young in the... In one of the crown jewels of British comics, Slain the Horn God. The Axeman's adventure is split into three books and spans over a year of Prague's from Prague 26, from Prague 626 in May 1989 to Prague 698 in September 1990. The story is, of course, written by master of all things Celtic Pat Mills, stunningly painted by Simon Bisley, lettering by Steve Potter. The Horn God is one of the most collected stories in 2080 history, besides any number of individual and collected graphic novels over the years. Just from Rebellion Now, you can get a regular and a collector's edition of the story, plus there's gigantic ultra-special editions floating around there as well, if you're willing to go to the wilds of eBay and so on. The Horn God has earned a heap of accolades, and I don't think of too many. You'll hear me mentioned at the start of one of these episodes, but the end of 1981, when we'd read just the first book and half of the second, The Horn God blew me away completely and just totally cleaned up at the spinnies in a year with some interesting contenders. In the end, for every category, I just had to say, you know, that Horn God, though, it had to win every category. It's... The most modern story we've collected in this series for Space Spinner as well, um, taking place entirely in the post-episode 200s, but this story is so well-known and such a big part of 2000 AD history that we had no choice but to collect it as soon as possible. The Horn God went for 31 progs and is a complex mix of heroic journey, pagan mysticism, meditations on man and womanhood, and a critique of the modern comic publishing industry, all combined with amazing visuals that'll stick with you for years to come and set a course for a generation of British comic artists. As a fantasy story, Slain sticks out a bit from the other thrills in 2000 AD, even all, even generally, but with the Horned God, it does so in all the best ways. Grab your pet dwarf, because it's time to go adventuring with Slain the Horned God. Episode 201, Prog 625 to 628, May 1989. Thrill for Slanya. Wow, you really got you really got in there with that one. Doing it. Script about Pat Mills, art about Simon Bisley, letter about Steve Potter. Oh, buddy, the Horn God is here. So, just before we get started, Fox, I want to Please. give you a blurb on the Horn God. Horn God, incredibly important thrill in the history of British comics. Um, okay, we that we we could tell that they know this just from all the hype over the last two months. We've I seen. I mean, they've definitely they been laying down the be framework. Big. Yeah, but my understanding is that the Horn God ended up as as a phenomenon. Basically. Really, as soon as as soon as the 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 uh, the 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 part we're reading here ends, they're going to start selling full color albums of it, and they're going to do amazing sales in both the UK and continental what Europe. I don't understand is why they didn't use the first page of 626 on 
the cover of the actual well, comic. Hold on, Please. hold on. I'm, I'm, we, 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 we could talk about that. Um, it's a, it's huge success, and it, and that huge success is what will get, we'll, we'll start getting 2080 more colorized. This idea that we can sell these big color albums for oh. a lot of money. Um, it, it's why we're going to get more color pages later this year, and eventually full this color comic. the year after that. Yeah, well, I mean, this series that we're starting here, um, it'll cement Simon Bisley as an all-important British comic influence. And um, though we've seen some painted stories in 2084, especially from Will Simpson, Bisley is basically thoroughly changing the game with every issue of is, Born God that is we read Is Bisley here. doing the coloring of his own work? I believe so, yes. I, I, I mean, I, it's I, I think he's painting it. There's, so it's not, there's a reason I'm holding like, it yeah, because this art is is painted. It's not the exactly. usual thing where you where you draw inks and then you you or where you draw pencils and then you do inks over that and then color over no, that. I believe the colors art. built into the story. Yeah, well, um, the horn god is called. You the, know what I mean. Please, you know it's it's all art, buddy. Come on. Um, the the horn god is called the crown jewels of British comics, so that doesn't keep uh, current publishers from occasionally drastically dropping the price of of it to launch new series. Um, Every episode starts with a black and white page, often with kind of a previously on mm. slain bur blurb or just some kind of like, you know, Celtic designs and some busy drawing some fun stuff. Um, and um, this one that we start with has a full info dump defining all the characters and the world of slain, including some pronunciations, which might have been helpful up until this point. Slain is, of course, pronounced Slanya, but I'm not doing that. So, in a way, uh, and correct me on this, he's kind of mm -hmm. where Nemesis was big, <laughs> this is bigger. Where Dread was, oh, yeah. was mean, huge, this is huger. Well, I mean, Dread's, Dread's still like, like the biggest thing, but this is a very important, like, this section is real big. I mean, like, uh, 2080, re like not recently, but like a a, a year or two ago, rele started releasing these like collected edition things, and the first one they did was the Horn God. You know what I was talking about? There was they was they basically sold it like they 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 cut the price in by, to like seventy by seventy five percent or something. Sure. Basically, say like, hey, we've got these series this this new series of like collected editions. You're going to want to buy it to to sweeten the deal to get you I, to sign up. I, Here is. These iconic stories, you know, at a reduced price. I, I so you, suppose you know, what I mean is that buy you to, drive you to that buy it. He's coming in as kind of the new Kev O'Neill. I mean, in a way, yeah, kind in a of. Way. I mean, especially just because because there hasn't been I mean, someone doing. I, I mean, I'm talking about what I, mean, I saw I, as I read. Yeah. There hasn't been someone like this for forever. I mean, I mean, I'd say more like a like a Brian Bolland or something like that. I agree. Who has who, who understands who this contrast? Has, has like, well, who has like mainstream appeal as uh, well, or, uh. or like or like makes a big a a, a big stir in, in 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 the mainstream mm. as well as sort of in our little like a walled garden of two thousand sure. AD, I guess. Because um, I mean, yeah, because this is big and it's influential. It's a it's a it, it's a big deal that I mean, it's we're epic. sort of. You know, and this is one of those. Th this is one like us getting to the Horn God is another one of these milestones that I'm really happy to get to. Like I mean, when we hit a mega epic, I was, or we got to Halo Jones or whatever I, else. I you will know? tell you this, and and we'll get to it a little more. And I want you to talk about it. I was fixated. Yeah, fixated. I had to read everything and then look at everything. Yeah, it's good. Like completely enraptured. And please, Conrad, let's walk through this. Definitely. Okay, so. 
The story starts, Fox, with a painting of a tartan of a tartan-clad <sighs> man with a helmet, and massive horns coming off, and he's wielding a smoking spear, a sweet sword, with a cool-looking cauldron. So this this is presumably either a horned god of old or slain in the future with all the artifacts yeah, exactly. that we're going to be talking about in this story. So this does feel like like it could be a cover. Of the story. I mean, I'm probably going to use it as the episode. It could also be art, a goddamn um, cover because... of the perfect metal album called I'm going to fuck you yeah. up with my horns and swords. Well, listen, I mean, the actual band, uh, Lord Weird Slaufeg aside, <laughs> there is a lot of metal stuff going on in here, you know. It's fantastic. Um, Anyway, sorry. So we, yeah, we, we, we cut to a castle in a time where there is no time in a place where there is no place where an older Ucko, the dwarf, is writing the account of the adventures of Slane. May I say I did not realize goblin. it was Ucko until he actually said he was Ucko? Yeah, he's got a different it, look it, here for sure. That's and I, what and drew me in more, I, actually. And Bisley's drawing him a little differently. No, also, I love I think that that's just sort of how it's going to go. Because it is yeah. so, yeah, please. The crooked old goblin walks out to see the world and we see some dudes still fighting dragons and ooh, it's super awesome. He goes over to he, he goes over the characters of the story. And he's walking on Baylor a cane the, the whole time. Eye. Yeah, tottering about, tapping forward. The bad guys, we got like Baylor of the Evil mm. Eye, Lord Weir's Slough Fag, Slade's Lady Love Neve, and the evil princess Maeve. <sighs> this is his most mysterious and epic quest, the search for the horned god. Uh, Slaufeg planned to sacrifice Slain Ucko and some other dudes, including Slain's dad in the mm-hmm. fires, in, in the fires of a wicker man to send Priestess Maeve to there. the god Krom Kruak. Yeah, we saw this um, in the pages of uh, 330 or so. Oh, wow. Was in, it in the that 330s. long ago? Yeah, almost, tw- yeah, basically awesome. almost uh, twice as long as whatever. I did not um, think it too much. Woohoo! Um, yeah, so we're we're in the middle of 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 recaps here. Mm. We got the Wicker Man. Yeah, we uh, uh, where was I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, and I. Oh, sorry. I um, yes. So they were sacrificing Maeve to Crom Kruak. We briefly see Maeve's boobs, which is pretty solid. Like, um, really, whatever. like super nudie. Some adult content in here. Yeah, it, I mean, it's got that sort of Franz, uh, uh, Frank Franzetta uh, vibe I, as well. I love where how just graphic the women whole thing. can't wear. A, Cannot wear a lot of clothes in the Horn God. It is impossible for them to do uh, it. This is uh, this is part of why I love Ice and Fire. Is that in the original version of the French version, none of the dudes were wearing clothes and none of the women were wearing clothes. Ooh, it's a great film. But so, uh, yeah, in the in the Wicker Man, Slain warped out and destroyed the place instead. Super awesome. Um, yeah, good times. We touch briefly on their time with Nest at the Dragon Farm. And we kind of don't talk even about all the jewels briefly. that they took off with. But also that he totally yeah. made out with Nest. She was pretty great. Well, th- they mostly took the dragon, the the nooker. That's the big thing. We got maybe a paragraph with no images <laughs> sort of summarizing the time killer and the Tomb of Terror stuff. That's a sort of off uh, continuity whatever, at this point. A pluke happened. Let's not even write pluke in there. Let, we we did a thing. Keep moving. Keep moving. Hey man, we threw uh, some Nest dice. And like, at- it was awesome. It was awesome. Definitely. Someday we're gonna get back on mm. Dice Man. You and me, Fox. It's gonna be real good. I love um, that podcast. Yeah, Ness stayed at the Eternal Forest Fortress to study magic as Slain Uko and their riding dragon, the Nooker, returned to Slain's tribe. Yeah. Then uh, we go to the parts that, that uh, from the, the Slain the King story. On arrival, they bumped into Slain's, Slain's main squeeze, Neve, whose name I'm finally <sighs> pronouncing correctly. And Uko gets distracted by describing her in pornographic detail. 
just again, I mean, you've said this too, Fox. Amazing art, art by Bisley. It can't it is, be said it enough. It is hard to, uh, and thank you for giving me a moment to aside. It is very yeah. difficult as Conrad is accurately describing the story. It's hard not to get lost in any one panel. You exactly. Know? Like, that's the thing. What this colored art looks like by comparison to even the last episode, to even the last five episodes. These are people or, or a person who understands depth. They understand highlighting of color. They understand drawing of attention to a particular point, which is what they're using the background for. They're actually drawing your attention to Slane's eyes, which are this kind of like very vibrant blue across an entire mm -hmm. background where the man is wearing pelts and looking like he's in the shadows kind of half. There's all these details. There's these bicep fucking muscles and all of the stuff that you can see. But what you're drawn to is not all of that shit. You're drawn to his eyes, to his determination mm -hmm. and what he's trying to do. And what I love about this is this is for the first time for me seeing this comic book step into the world of how you use color to do storytelling. Yeah. I mean, it's, we'll see more of this, but beautiful. yeah, I mean, this is, you know, it's definitely like, I mean, we've seen some good stuff as well. I don't want to like, like, no, like, of course, uh, I'm not glossing over but, any, I mean, any of this, the others. It's, it's, this is masterful. It's very much an attempt, yeah, to do some, some really high level stuff here. Yeah, it's great. I love all the, de all the little details and stuff. Like the Wicker Man's really awesome. Oh, and man. yeah, like we said, it's the background just where you see these... it kind of shadowing over and it looks looming yeah. the whole time. There, there's just tons of buff dudes, slinky ladies, dragons flying through the sky, big swords and yeah. axes. Oh, it's great. But what you're drawing attention you know. to is different things because even Ucko in the same page is so downplayed, so pastel versus a bunch mm -hmm. of other action that's going on, which is primarily him losing a woman he loves and the son he did not know he had. Yeah. It's strong. I, I, it's just it's, it's beautiful excellent. yeah that's all i mean sorry thank you definitely no 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 problem man of course uh the part two opening has a warped slain lifting an elephant at, over his head as folks look on in the main pages we see slain and neve mating or meeting i should say and her taking her son kai to mm. train with the druids because he's he's Meanwhile, different from him he's not the same yeah and she doesn't want the life exactly. that either Slain or Slain's father oh, had. You strangely know I mean? enough, she doesn't of... want him to become a fucking chief that dies in 10 years. How strange. Definitely. Yeah, all that stuff. I mean, this is – I mean, like the only part I don't like about this is just that it's basically exactly what we had in Slain the King. And so be, exactly. to fully recap, it feels a little disrespectful <laughs> to Glenn Fabry almost. No like, way. But – it's still um, it's still good. It's, it's still great stuff. Meanwhile, we continue the recap with King Raggle deciding Fine, to Meb. be sacrificed for his failure to keep mm. the stuff for Morian Sea Devils as his wife Megrim, actually the evil Maeve, Maeve whispers in his ear. Then in the present, which where old Oko's writing, he gets interrupted by Nest who calls him to task for both taking too long and for not mentioning <laughs> that Slain has the cauldron of blood in his possession. What the fuck are you doing? Oko, he has a magical goddamn cauldron, you ding-dong. 
It's important. Uko then just shits a giant info dump to explain all their <laughs> and stuff. And also kind of pulls down food. his pants. He shows his butt. Yeah. It's got unlimited food. It's got the dark god Avigdu living inside it. Blah, blah, blah. The rest of the tale then is quickly also dealt with. Slain becomes the sun kings. The Fomorians are killed. You didn't think of too many, etc., etc. And goes get some mead. But now it's time. <laughs> so let's enter the horned god, Conrad. Yeah, so Slain's king. We get some amazing full color images the here darkness of cool alone. dude on horses. Slain fighting baddies as Uko explains the three aspects of the Earth Goddess. Mm. You see a warped Slain destroying Fomorians, and Uko explains the uh, Slain's plans to form an alliance with the nearby Earth Goddess tribes to drive these Fomorians out. But it will be difficult as Celts. Highly value freedom and fear empires, which surely lead to dictatorship and then misery. They like that freedom, man. Yeah, gotta. Even if it's to their detriment, they 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 prefer to be free than like organized. But it's kind uh, of a Star Trekism, you know what I mean? I mean, it feels like the opposite of Star no, no. Trek. All almost. of the races live their super true life to a detriment. <laughs> Maybe, but just because, I mean, it feels like the opposite just because the Federation's such an organized empire, oh, no. I guess. Literally, like, the Federation like, is the like, least interesting one. Klingons forever. Well, sure, but I mean just that the Federation sort of exists as a, uh, ah, but if we all work together and, you know, don't be independent, yeah, then we can achieve more than you could ever imagine. 151 boring-ass nations came together to make some fucking, like, territory, but not nearly as cool. Jesus. All right, buddy. Self-hating human here. So part three starts with a black and white image of a young slain, oh, yeah. then cuts to color with a dissatisfied slain on his throat. But looking so sick with his puppy dog. No, his puppy's there. He's giving him yeah. a stroke. He explains his plan to unite the other three tribes and gain access to their treasures in Gorius, the silver sword of the moon <gasps> that can cut through any metal. Who doesn't want Infinius. to get in Gorius? Please continue. Ha. Ah. Infinius, the flaming spear of the sun, alive and thirsty for slaughter. Who? And Infalius, the holy <sighs> stone of destiny that cries aloud when the rightful king stands upon Quite it. Quite literally, He's, if a man stood before me and was like, hey, listen, man, do you want to go get like a like a spear that's burning forever? Do you want like a, like a stone you could just like, it's pretty awesome. Like, dude, quest Hey, buddy, time. are you hype to quest? Hashtag yeah. hype to quest. Quested? And, no, and mark, he's just sitting back there like, mm, maybe I'll quest. Yeah. I don't know if I'll quest. No, Slain, Slain saying quest in Y slash N <laughs> and um, <laughs> sacrificing the uh, or unifying the tribes LFG. And then dude and is like, let me make this let me make this more Y by saying that you're a bitch if you don't Y. Cathbad slamming it. Oh, yeah. Slamming it hard. He's saying, LFG, man, I'm here in this trade channel to sell these boots that I've been crafting <laughs> here in Orgrimmar. I'm not even trying to get a raid group together. I don't exactly. want a raid. I just want to sell my little boots. How else are you going to get the kind of hero character to fight the heel if you don't have this middle guy who's kind of in it for themselves? You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you um, know, but what would you be? Okay. All right. Mostly, I just don't like this is not really an arc. Like, this calf bat archetype, while a familiar archetype, is not super duper a wrestling archetype. Anyway, he so anyway, Slade's got this plan. He's explaining it to Cathbat as one of his druids, who's this little thin-necked coward trying to With find reasons why Slade can't have I mean, his way. Who has that mustache? 
He's a terrible person, as most religious authorities <laughs> in hear Pat the Mill's anger in Conrad's are. voice now. I love it. They go back and forth about Slane's ambitions and how religion is better than action, as you uh, do, etc. Boring. Get out of here. They Fight keep, time. Yeah, they keep fighting. As Uko overhears Megra make a plan with her dwarf to go meet with Lord with uh, Lord the Lord Weird, Uko trails the dwarf and finally Cathbat explains his objections. Gathering the treasures would restore the power of the Horned God Karnun, Lord. Oh my God, Karnun, Lord of the Beasts, the God of our enemies. Slaufeg was um has based himself on Karnun from a dark time when witches ruled the earth, a time kept secret by the druids because those ladies were pretty bad. Here's my question for you, if, Conrad. Yeah. Is Slanya Cave Dwellers One no. or or <laughs> Cave Dwellers Two? No, neither. Have you seen Cave Dwellers Two? Yes. It's fantastic. No, they, no hang glider will be built threw, in the course of this story. They threw a fucking thing over the invisible guys, their capes, and they punched them. But it's not about whether or not they did the hang glider or the throwing over of the thing. It's the beginning of the movie where they haphazardly tried to explain that everything matters. Do you know what I love about reading all of this, Conrad? What's that, Fox? I could not stop reading it. It's good. No, listen, we're going to be very excited. Yeah, so basically, the witches were bad. If the horn god returns, he would usher in a new age of witchcraft, which seems bad to Cathbad. I don't know if it seems bad yeah. generally. Next time on Slain Fox, Beyond the Cauldron. Right. Fuck the Cauldron. This is quite literally no. a VHS movie. Yeah, basically. And, I, I'd love to not- see a uh, just... Please. A cartoon, like like a Ralph Bakshi, like, Don Bluth. Like Ice like, and Fire or... Make it, make it look like this. But yeah, just barbarians doing stuff. It'd be awesome. Ice and Fire, bad example because literally the worst script. <laughs> even even translated, bad. But, yeah, well listen, but like this... All those things are not that great, but this would be a good version of those. <laughs> Conrad, I read everything. Mm-hmm. And then after I was done reading everything... I looked at it. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's only going to get better, Fox. We got more crazy shit coming up with here. I, he's going to talk to the Earth Goddess next episode. I think it's going to real crazy. I have o- going to go on this quest. I have only done that in a handful of comic books. The art is no, that's gonna be great. what... Like, I didn't want to look at the art until I was done reading. Does that make <laughs> I sense? Get words in so you can look at the picture. Yeah, sure. Because so that then I have all the context... Does that make sense? Because, like, if I'm reading a thing, I can't look at it because I'm reading it. I don't know. Maybe that's weird. No, I mean, there's ways to process things for sure. It's, it's um, it, you know, everyone's a little different. But, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I think. I, I, I can understand your point. Uh, I just – I cannot witness the action until I read all the bubbles. The, the great part of it is how many bubbles were in Slain? How about when Ukko was – Running I mean, down the there's corridor and kind of, of dealing with shit. How about when Slain was standing indignant oh. of a guy with a mustache trying to tell him that there was a fucking prophecy? And how many times yeah. have we, you and I, read about Slain having a fucking prophecy put in front of him? He's fucking dumb with prophecies. Yet suddenly, and you still kind of hear this in his dialogue, it's not so obvious, but like he's just... 
Like, I don't know this shit. Like, you're telling me all this stuff. Great. Uh, yeah, I was there. I will go do that. Yeah. I like, mean, he does not yeah. care. He will just move forward. He's got a plan, for sure. I yeah. don't know uh, if he's uh, even p- thinking about it. He just is like, yep, check, I'd, push forward. I definitely say put a pin in this in, in this concept, Fox, and keep an eye out for it next episode, especially as we sort of get some more details on what, on what Slane's thinking is and what his motivations Rad. are, because they're very interesting. Because this whole thing, Conrad, mm-hmm. I saved reading Slane until the very last moment of my reading. <laughs> because yeah. I kept seeing it as I was scrolling through the comic and I was like, I can't. I can't stop at this right now. It's too beautiful. Episode 202. Prog 629 to 632. June 1989. Thrill 3. Slain. Script robot. Pat Mills. Art robot. Simon Bisley. Letting robot. Steve Potter. Uh, so Bisley's again painting everything. These stories are in full color. I mean, absolutely we- gorgeous. Absolutely. But we also get these uh, – before the story starts, we get black and white uh, pages of the art and, and uh, the credits for the story with some, a little bit of extra comic or uh, content. Uh, this time, we got portraits of the evil Megrim slash Maeve and her goblin assistant, Robin. Oh, as as we're coming into the actual story, like the black and white covers, yeah, I love those. It's so gilded. Like it feels like a Celtic knot. Yeah. But no, they're, like they're... literally messy. It uh, – it's tangible, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's sort of like a like a Celtic illumination, like a combination of Celtic knot and like illuminated manuscript kind of yeah. thing going on in these in these start pages. In the story, we rejoin Slain having an argument with the druid Cathbad, um, and he decides that he's sort of tired of Cathbad sort of uh, doubting his plan to recover all of the relics of the earth goddess so he's going to hear it from the goddess's own mouth himself by magically climbing into the cauldron of plenty as you do yeah as he does he passes a carving of the horn god carnoon but strangely feels no fear of him he climbs a long way into the cauldron reassuring himself that he must keep an open mind about things eventually though he reaches the bottom of the cliff and is at some kind of shore of an ocean which he dives into um, he avoids the uh, – and as he does, he avoids the strange sea creatures within. He's following a thread of yearning and dread, entering a strange realm of the soul under the sea. Slain is forced to retrieve a sword from a sea wreckage and fight a giant fish monster even as he reflects on the importance and primacy of women within his life. Not just a fish see- monster, but kind of like a giant spined, disgusting – it's got kind of a lionfish kind of look to it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he kind of talks about how he sees himself more as a consort to the true queen, the earth goddess, instead of an actual king. Um, and that he somehow this beast that he's fighting is also a representation of his ambition, maybe, or his desire for power and to be remembered. It's a very it's, weird kind of – like I, I didn't get that connection. Weird fish, I, spiny, but also – Ambition? ambition. I mean, I, I'm I'm saying that because it literally says that in the narration uh, boxes I know. of the story. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's such a weird comparison because there are ways that you can show progressive ambition or lion or or yeah. tiger who beats the lion who beats the thing who beats the other thing. It's like uh, yeah, I mean, we but we, it's a we weird very much fish because he's in water, maybe. 
I mean, he we 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 very much had that previously. I think with that uh, trials of of a noon uh, storyline, yeah. you know. But I think so. We we can sort of take this a little bit as red, and I mean, this part is also very uh, Beowulf. If you remember that story, or if if you've read that one, uh, like I- when. In the in the second part, when Beowulf goes to fight Grendel's mother, he has to go underwater. When he has to go underwater to, into the cavern to, above yeah. water. Once he's out, yeah, I know. This, so this is uh, has sort of some rhyming is, elements. This is of that me as kind well. of giving the the last part of of what I'll say away. This feels like Pat Mills trying to make a mythology that quite literally I have to read. Yeah, it's oh, listen, which is fine. You, Listen, if you're interested in Pat Mills' mythology, Fox, I suggest you keep reading 2000 AD. We're going to get it. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so eventually, though, he slays this beast and comes out um, of the water on the other side in the garden of the Earth Goddess. He arrives at a pool. Um, she's covered in flowers as he asks her permission to seek her treasures and is mocked by the goddess's nymphs. The goddess asks if he's ready to pay the price for it to follow the way of the horned god. And Slain supposes so, but he's not really sure what the I, horned god is, what that means. I mean, but also she's like, you DTF. Well, I mean, she's, you know, when you're the young earth goddess, you're always implying that, Fox. <laughs> Just like when you're the old Earth goddess, you're always implying uh, DTD, which is down to die because she represents the later part of a man's I life mean, and stuff. Or a human's life, maybe. has got to eat. Hey. Um, so he says he doesn't know. Um, and the goddess is impressed by this answer because it's truth and heads deeper into her cave to show him that and more besides. So part five of, the, of this uh, epic – Opens showing a Celtic warrior on a horse with one of those Gale Blog spears and a bunch of dead opponents around him. Slain and Danu, the Earth Goddess, walk through this dense forest as she explains I, I the Horn God Carnoon. Like animal that was trotting past as I was kind of scanning through, yeah. as I was reading, I was like, why is he suddenly a weird looking centaur? Like, why did Slain get turned into that? Exactly so. I think it was, you know, uh, <laughs> it's that, a weird thing to just Although, throw in front of my face when they're well, doing it's, a, a it's sexy because, talk at each other. It's because they're talking about the horned god, right? Mm. How he's not evil, but instead loyal to her and doesn't take things too seriously. She says he's the laughter in the woods as this funny, weird looking deer well, monster what I mean, by. I, and it sort of might be a way of saying, like, you know, this is an example of the silly things that the Horned God is a part well, of. I mean, I get like it. That, Eventually, you know, Slain will be the old Horned God nature who is weird around. and disgusting and decrepit. And some other new attempt at the Horned God will destroy him. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, but I mean, that's not sort of the point that we're getting at here, right? This, I feel like that weird creature was more sort of this, like, you know, the horned guy doesn't take things too seriously, so... Yeah, of when course. Let's be silly and have fun. Yeah, when there's talk of um, of a sexy of a sexy destiny, there can also be crazy <laughs> monsters walking around. Uh, you know, uh, my favorite you know, destiny crazy is Crazy animals sexy walking destiny. around. Yeah, I know, buddy. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but so... She sort of makes fun of sun heroes as opposed to, I guess, it's, it's not clear to me whether Slain himself would be a sun hero or if he's more of a, or if the horn god's like an earth hero or something I like that. I don't know if I'm like a sun hero or if I'm more like a, like maybe I'm like a forest hero or like a, like a moon hero. Moon hero is pretty dope. 
we yeah so she makes fun of of a, of a sun heroes which may be opposed to the horn god which may be more of an earth hero or something because the horn god doesn't take things seriously and values peace and cooperation over war and strife and because of that he's the only one she can trust with her objects of power we got some really co- fu- funny faces as danny you sort of explains the problems that a sun hero with her items would be like like like, like the problems that would cause and that she's not quite sure that Slane is uh, is easygoing enough to be <laughs> the Sun King she's it, looking for. Actually, that he gets it. Yeah, but she's willing to give Slane a chance while di- dissing Uko. And there's an aside saying this part of the story might have been written by Nest instead, because uh, you know Uko would probably not allow himself to be slandered in this way. And also because Nest is super rad. Yeah, of course. Danu offers Slane an apple, which he eats as she explains that the Horned God is representative of life, but not afraid of death. It's all a game. Her sport. That's what life is. And and then they make out and they do it as a bunch of animals look on. (laughs) After this, we learn that the Lord Lord Weird Slaufeg is the old Horned God, one that was unwilling to die after seven years and return to Danu. Slane has become... The new horned god, assemble the items, and bring Danu back to power in the world, or she'll destroy him and all he holds dear in the land of young will sink beneath the sea. Okay. No pressure. You know, listen, it's like, there is no pressure. She's fine either way, but FYI for you. (laughs) I'm going to destroy your world if you don't make this right. Yeah. She pushes him back into the water, sending him to reality. She'll see him again in her many guises as mortal women, be it in the many guises in mortal women, be it the ones that you love, that humor you, or that betray you. Good I mean, times, she's also the earth. Weird times. So, bad times. She Good could times, be a volcano. Weird times. Yeah, listen. Volcano will mess you up. Like, it's something to sort of keep an eye out for, this sort, this, this very Pat Mills idea of women, of the, uh, of the archetype of woman not taking things too seriously and being extremely <clears throat> willing to betray you if it sort of uh, makes sense to her at the time. So, I mean, or I, she feels like it. I, what I like about the comic is mm-hmm. its open-mindedness about – so many things you would not expect in 1989. Sure. Uh, you have to read all of it to get that. <laughs> That's the downside. So I feel like uh, there there is so much he is trying to say, but he's trying to say it in a way that uh, I think will get lost on a younger audience who will not read a box. Do you know what I mean? Am I being a crazy yeah. person? Well, I mean, you know, this like like the like this is really an example of the uh, of the aging 2080 audience, you know. Like strongly. I agree. Like this is this is very much a story that would be that, you know, you wouldn't put in front of an 8-year-old for them to understand, which is sort no, of that sort not of not anymore. The, which you sort of imagine as being the low end of the age groups that were uh, reading the comic put an at the start in front of fucking the horned god. There's no Yeah. Way. <laughs> But like a 15-year-old or, you know, for instance, that same 8-year-old in 1977 that's now 21, yes. you know, like the that's a different thing. The awareness of their – of the readership makes sense. Yeah, but, they kind of – yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think they're aware that they're sort of – yeah, that they can tell these older stories and stuff. You know, I mean, very much the younger – Younger folks w- would be reading like Eagle at this time or something like that. You know, they're still yeah. They're, I like, feel you that. know, there, there's other stuff for for <sighs> that age group in 2080 is becoming a bit more grown up. 
I honestly and feel that. This is an There's, example. There are young kids comics now. At least when we're talking about it. I just, I just mean you don't need to do uh, three paragraphs in two to three different boxes for 632, let's say. The artwork oh, is fantastic to compel people to understand what you're trying to say. Don't just show something awesome. Compel them to understand what's going on. Judge Dredd did that right. earlier so, in this month. So you're saying you don't need to do those boxes, but you mean that like you don't have to, but it's cool they are? Or are you saying that those boxes I are superfluous? I am saying both that the art is fucking fantastic, but it says yeah. nothing about changing my mind. Whereas reading, well, we'll get there. We'll okay, fucking get there at the sure. at the end of this. So the next part of <laughs> Slain starts with a cyber Celt with a big mohawk and heads mounted on shoulder spikes. Um, again, actually, I, I agree with you, yeah, because listen, there's about to be so many words and amazing pictures coming up here. It's hard to recap without just reading it out. Exactly. Um, you got it. Like it goes without saying, just because it's it, it is sort of has this reputation, but you should check out the Horn God. Um, I mean, and it's great writing. Fantastic yeah, and, and beautiful stuff. And as we're talking about it, actually, a new edition's just came come out. So, you know, whatever. Ooh. It's an exciting time for a fancy horn god reading. Um, so, Slain emerges from the waters of self, having learned that Karnun is hardly a demon, more a god of laughter and fertility, that he's only evil in the eyes of men who want to control nature. This revelation has made Slain free as he emerges from the cauldron. He tells Cathbad he's learned quite a bit about Danu, actually. And Cathbad is very worried about this. Meanwhile, mm. though, Ukko, our dwarf buddy, is following Robin, Megram's dwarf, and witnesses her taking a bunch of strange potions and passing out on a riverside. Then a goblin-y looking fellow arrives and carries her away. As she's taken, Megram Maeve reflects on her life. You know, the character's same name. Mm -hmm. Though, of course, this is all speculation by Ukko based on his knowledge of coming events. We've seen a bit of her training in the past in those early days. Of, um, I recently put out a collection for Slain Warriors Dawn, those earliest Slain stories. And we see a bunch of, Meg of Megram in there as well. Um, and um, just like how when others were freaked out by the evil druid, she was intrigued by them and lusted for power. She was a quick study and soon became a major wish – Witch and wanting power for herself, but not uh, not to be a mother producing children or a bride. Uh, she became a bride to the great worm, the quickener bearing the sea of death. Well, this was actually to Crom Cruach. Oh, that's the, uh, right, Crom Crush. Evil uh, 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 worm thing. Or at least that was her plan until Slain came and disrupted it all. Then he stymied her again, keeping her from getting elected queen. And his <clears> new <throat> plan spells further problems. So she goes to meet Lord Weird Slaufeg, 20,000 years old, kept alive by the eggs of Krom Kruak, making cave paintings, gibbering in the dark, totally insane, the old horned god. And definitely kind of rotting a little bit. Oh yeah, he's having a bad time. So we go into the to the final prog. A demon pits a rat out of a skull on the credits page. We see the cave paintings of Slaufeg, men hunting mammoths as a skeletal old man reflects on the dark centuries of his life. There's a fair amount actually in the text of references to time killer stuff here of the Scythrall and their lusts for the souls of humanity yeah. and their connections to the great worm Krom Kruak. Um, he's trying to. Uh, 
Slowfake's trying to recover his lost youth, his lost power, his connection to the Earth Goddess, but that's all gone. He falls to the ground as Maeve helps him. Slowfake misses the old days and wishes for death, or maybe something else deeper, befitting his dark wisdom. Mm. But don't worry, Fox, he'll have his revenge, because he is the doorman at the gate of death. Maeve worries about Slane's ambition, and Slowfake worries, uh, or, yeah... Worries that Slane could, in fact, still stop them with, um, you know, his his plans with the armies destroying the tribes of Danu and then the ice caps melting and sweeping the land of the young away in a baptism of death. But he has Maeve <laughs> step in. baptism of death. Good times. Maeve you know, will kill I, You know, I love a good yeah. baptism of death, you know? What, what are you going to do the other kind? Like the no, normal just, kind? just the season. It's mainstream and lame, buddy. Um, but so they, they come up with a plan. Maeve will kill Slane, but first... They must um, show that his ambition to unite the tribes must be discredited. They must discredit his ambitions. I mean, Slaufeg sure. is confident Maeve can handle it, though it won't be easy. Um, you know, because she's been finding it difficult to say work a glamour yeah, I mean, on him. Because they've definitely had him. a one hundred percent success rate, right? I mean, I don't know. She worked that. She worked that glamour on the previous king. And managed to get him to, like, not fight back and give everything up and, like, put the tribes in the brink of extinction yeah, to the Fomorian Sea Devil. With the weird guys who made the skulls glitch, like, yeah. flow over there. She's yeah, been successful except for Slain. Like, Slain thwarted her multiple times. So now she's got to really step thing up, things up and figure, th- and figure things out. Plus, she's theorizing that maybe the glamour isn't working on Slain because he still loves Neve, which is an interesting tri- uh, side thing. But maybe she'll figure it out. Slain stoked. He poses. He poses awesomely on a field of skulls as bats wheel overhead. Slain will die slowly as Maeve a- acts as midwife for his death. Ah, da, da. Got to have a death a death midwife before the death baptism, buddy. In the future, <laughs> Ucko writes, but his eyes are for full the, of tears before the the death bat mitzvah. That's right. He remembers trying to warn Slane, but Slane wouldn't listen. And now Uko breaks down, crying. Why, Uko? What's wrong? Next time, the tragic truth. So I kind of, well, anyway, I thought that was kind of like in some kind of weird future. Yeah, it is. I mean, Oko's okay. in the future writing about writing about these events. He's writing them in the past tense. Like, you know, I'm he's just far, making sure he's, that I'm I'm getting the story. I yeah, feel this like was, I know. Exactly what Pet Mills is putting down. Yeah. He's putting it down pretty thick. Yeah. We learned this last episode. Yeah. You know, he's like Mm. in this mystic realm of immortality and he's sort of now recounting the adventures of his friend Slain back when Slain was like younger and was doing his thing. I mean, clearly he is not immortal in this place, but yeah. I mean, don't get me to lying about who is and isn't immortal when you're in the time beyond time and a place beyond places, Fox. He could very well be immortal within it. But he also got old because he lived in the real world doing stuff with Slain, and now he's sort of come in there. Because Ness seems young, right? We've seen Ness a couple times, and she doesn't seem like she's an old lady. Well, Ness doesn't age. She just gets vintage. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, listen, I'm familiar with these sayings as well, but like, listen, everybody, even the people that, that they say don't age, you can see them aging, buddy. Like, don't, I don't, don't believe those lies. Motherfucker. <laughs> okay, I don't want to get the photo comparison out, but listen. Oof. Episode 203, Prog 632 to 636, June and July 1989. 
Thrill three slain must come. <laughs> In every life a slain. No, must okay, end. we're going. Too I, much singing this episode already. I know. <laughs> Simon Bisley eat your heart out. So good. Yeah. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Simon Bisley, letting robot Steve Potter. Horde God Part Eight. Oosh. Uh the credits page is a tiny warrior standing up to a huge <laughs> dragon. I love it. In the time without time, the aged dwarf Ucko weeps as he writes his tale, how in the past Slain refused to listen to his warnings that Maeve the uh, sorceress was plotting against him as the barbarian king preps for the arrival of King Rudrage and his wife to secure the silver sword of the moon. Mm. Finally, Ucko explains why he's weeping and it's that someone's going to get rich off this story, but not him because <laughs> he's just getting two iron bars for ch- per chapter. <laughs> it's real good. Yeah, and I mean, if it makes you feel better, Hoko, it's not like Mills and Bisley get a ton of profit from this thing either, you know? <laughs> Come on, buddy. <laughs> Ness says he should really be doing it for free, and Hoko straight up has a heart attack <laughs> because of it. <laughs> like, they have to, like, revive him by making him, like, having him drink Grog. mead and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, I know. Mead! <laughs> or mead. whatever, yeah. Something. Back in the story, Slain and the druid Cathbat are still arguing over Slain's plans. Cathbat explains that the reign of the Earth Goddess were the was the bad old days full of empowered women and men mm. being treated like objects. Horrible. And Slain's like, like I'll be treated like an object. That's fine. <laughs> like whatever. The most expressive part of uh of this dude is his fucking mustache. I love it. Got a big, wide mustache, wider, mm. far wider than his head, for sure. It's like um, it's like hands on a fucking watch. It's beautiful. Yeah, Ucko currently drinking goat's milk right from the tap, as it were, <laughs> goes to warn Slain that goes to warn Slain about stuff, but Slain's far too busy yelling at Cathbad for not being into his views of the cosmic rebalance towards a, a maternal society to listen to uh, Ucko's warnings. And then Maeve shows up and Ucko can't say, you know, oh, this lady's an evil witch. <laughs> Come on, bro. Be into my fucking thing about earth goddesses and whatever and stop being a total chode. Bruh, bruh, we gotta put women back in control, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Him and his tartan <laughs> say so. I, I, I will say, like, I do, f- like, or I don't know, let's keep going. Um, Sorry, I'll get to it later. Um, that night, Rudridge, uh, or Rudrig of the Fur Domain arrives, the tribe of the Growling Shields. He's got a cool entourage, wears an orange tartan, and the silver sword of the moon is real big. It's the so two sick. clasp hands. Yeah, it's real awesome. And Red Rage pre- presents his wife, Queen Neve. Oh, he, dun, knew dun, that dun. Was, he knew that was going to be a deep cut. Like, the sword couldn't even cut that deep, even though he just starts J-O-ing his sword in front of everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, the credits page for part nine is a big warped monster eating a bone with a long, gross tongue. Mm. Red Rage says, um, if Slain wants to fight for the sword, that's cool, but be aware that this little baby's got lunar power and will <laughs> cause your body to explode as it approaches you, so you, you know, no medical assistance can cure a wound from it's it. It's just like, oh, I'm not going to cut you. The body just separates from itself because it so wants that moon power, but the problem is... Is, yeah, you can cure a fucking cut, but when it, your body's separating from its itself because it wants that sweet moon juice, guess what? Mm-hmm. Can't fix that problem. Can't fix it. This 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 part feels so like anime. I guess I, no, like, it's the most anime thing I've ever seen. And where double the like, sword. 
Like, as someone who's who's definitely seen anime is where, for instance, you have a fight that starts with someone explaining that their katana has two blades on it. Oh, yeah. So it's impossible to stitch the wounds closed and stuff oh, like that. God. Like, you know, this has that feel. Um, but Ucko suggests the classic kick my kiss my axe response, <laughs> but Slane disagrees. It's like, look, man, I'm and- trying to make friends smell my pot, bro. Yeah, Slane also very modestly threatens Red Rage. Like, listen, I'll fight. I'll kick your ass. Like, wouldn't but wouldn't you rather eat by my side than die at my feet? Like, let's not fight. <laughs> and let's eat it. Let, let, let's eat. Let, let's eat, man. Let's go. The only thing missing is the comical like smell fingers, like like tickling his nose. Like, hmm, come over and over here. It smells nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Neve seems to think this is okay and uh, you, you gotta remember Fox that most of these tribes are currently being starved by the Fomorian Sea Devils exactly. so the op- offer of a feast is certainly very tempting hey man everybody loves fe- their yeah. s- their weird like flesh looking slop <laughs> absolutely yeah well it just comes out of the cauldron of plenty from somewhere um, as they feast Slane explains he doesn't want to own Rudd's sword he just wants to team up with them he's going to unite the he wants to unite the tribes not conquer them mm-hmm. cuz he's not in for the power but for the unity man I'm not here for the power <laughs> He says being high king is more about symbolism and serving as a rallying point for everybody, but Neve's extremely skeptical. Slane says he just wants the simple things to secure a future for his people. Um, it seems Megrim's still technically married to Slane, but he isn't doing anything about it, if you take my meaning. Yep. While uh, Neve and Rudrage are on an annual marriage contract every year, they can choose to re-up or sort of part as friends, basically. It's the first time that I kind of believe just that Slane's being honest as opposed to horny or gory. Mm, I think so, too. Yeah, he kind of – he's definitely like feels like he's changed and is trying to be a different guy. And Neve's really throwing his past actions back in his face every chance he get she gets. I mean, she's a response. That. Can, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he Slane's response is definitely like, yes, I deserve this treatment. Like, you're you you you're right to call me an asshole constantly. Mm. As for example, when Slane asks about their son Kai, and it brings up hurt feelings. As it's and uh, we 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 reach a period where it seems that Bisley's having some deadline pains. His backgrounds fall away, and most of the color just becomes kind of this red sponge, basically over different characters. Oh, yeah. I, the one thing that um, I will say is the rare, or if maybe the only the first time, and I'm sorry from Slane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it seems Kai's doing well at school. But it's getting – yeah, and he, he does apologize for leaving her to give birth alone Ooh. in that hut, like after he kind of got her pregnant. Um, yeah, so it seems um, – it, or it's getting late and, and they have battle plans to make on the morrow. So Neve and Rudd head out. Um, art, the standard art returns as Slane drinks alone late into the night as Ucko recounts fictional conquests of his youth. Um, that, that, later that's scrubbed in, by in, in the narration boxes. Yeah, yeah, later scrubbed because of their offensive <laughs> and possibly illegal uh, content. Right. Slain goes to bed as as a uh, as just Megram uh, slash or sorry, Slain goes to bed as Megram slash Mave approaches the cauldron of plenty. Slain still loves Neve, but if she dies, he'll be in Mave's power, and the cauldron can help her do it. And uh, for the next episode, she gets like. She was not as nudie, 
But now she's 100% definitely topless. Gotta be naked to do that evil magic. Uh, part 10 credits feature Uko riding a sweet hog. A pig, I mean. Uh, <laughs> as Maeve used the cauldron to summon the evil and disgusting death god Avigdu, who we, we, we've seen before in Slaying the King. We all know where that delicious stuff comes from. The man's gotta eat fucking humans to poop out delicious food. It's a circle of life, buddy. Um, <laughs> she then uses her evil charms to convince him to do some evil, in this case, to kill Neve under Slane's roof. The beast attacks, but in his uh, stupidity, instead bites off Rud Rage's hand. Nah, He's incapacitated. He can't hand. use the big-ass sword of the moon. So Maeve picks it up. Like a goddamn badass. Like a ripley. Absolutely. Sh- yeah, she uh, she leaps out slicing through Avigdu, but the demon of the underworld can't be killed. It goes to eat Neve as a naked slain arrives and leaps into action. <laughs> he's always he, new. I mean, he's, you know, there's no pajamas in the land of the young, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. He, he tackles Avigdu, wrestles him around, and forces the demon's hand into, into its own mouth. Oh, and then then it does that whole I turn into an asshole thing. Yeah, he's a ravenous beast, so he has no choice to eat himself until there's nothing left. He kind of plinks out of existence. Except for a pair of, like, sharp, like, vampire's teeth that you would get at, like, a store that's plastic that cuts your gums. And then it jumps back into the cauldron. Yeah, like, I'm out of (laughs) here. Team Rocket's blasting off again. Um, (laughs) So much animo. Seriously, the day is saved, but Rudrage has been maimed by the creature that came out of Slane's cauldron, and Nate and Neve thinks this is all part of some big scheme. Come on, oh man, come on! What's going to happen? We'll find out in three months when Slane returns in Prog Six Fifty. God, so unfortunate, but also, man, I love me some Slane. Yeah, this part's real fun. I'm I'm really glad that we've sort of gotten out of the recap parts of this yeah, story yeah. and are now moving into the actual main part of the story, oh, you know? I, I mean, how many times have we ever seen in 2000 AD something eat itself into an asshole and then out of existence? I feel like this is a new move. Like I don't, I don't remember we've, a time or Are you saying that we've broken new ground for this comic book? I feel like we've eaten new demons oh, or something like that. Oh, I like that. I will say, I was going to say this earlier, and I, I I thought I had it written down at a later point, but I don't. So I, I, I just want to say that, um, like, the conversation between uh, Slane and um, and Cathbad, like, kind of goes r- around and around a lot. And yeah. to a point where I, I kind of wanted to be like a defense attorney, be like, asked and answered, let's move on, you know? <laughs> They they definitely – it, it was just an extenuating situation where uh, – so I kind of enjoyed it only on the fact yeah. that like it's two Barbaria bros just kind of like trying to edge up on each other a bit. But I'm there yeah. with you on, in terms of just like we can move past this. Yeah, I mean I don't think it's that it, it, it's super bad. I sort of noticed that 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 it kind of keeps going on, you know. Yeah. But I and I, I will say that I do like this uh, matriarchy stuff way more than the uh, don't do anything because you'll upset the balance stuff. Oh, um, pluking that, it that we previously yeah that we previously seen in terms of Slane's philosophy. Like like I, I think I like this philosophy better. Oh yeah. I mean, no, it's awesome. I mean, he he has been multiple times around the Earth Mother in, well, two of those iterations yeah. were definitely the one that wanted to have sex with him. 
Yeah, we should um, ugh, like someday w- when we w- when we do Dice Man, which I really want to do at some mm. point. Um, there's a slain story where he kind of hangs out with all three aspects of the Earth Goddess. Oh, that's I think neat. I that seems like a very interesting story. Yeah, yeah it involves golden apples and things like that. Like I'm sort of I'm 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 interested. To do it. We we, we got to find time at some point. Yeah, of course. That that seems interesting <laughs> to me because that that is kind of like the mythos that we never really get to see all that much, though it's being rediscovered yeah, seen, now. Yeah, we've seen pieces of it, but I think that's sort of a load bearing episode that is is not part of the main timeline. Yeah, so it's it's, it's worth checking out. Episode two hundred and nine. Prog 650 to 653. October and November 1989. Thrill 5. Slay. Oh, man, this, this whole thing. Just, it's such a great way to like end the, the, uh, the episode. Yes. Just cause it's so fucking beautiful. Yeah, Slings Batten cleanup for all this time. A uh, script robot Pat Mills, art robot Simon Bisley, letting robot Steve Potter. Often called the crown jewel of British comics, we've been we're about mm. to head in deep to slain the Horn God Part Two. Just so you know, Pat Mills is the godfather of uh, modern British comics. He was the creator and first editor of 2000 AD, and it sadly canceled predecessor action. He wrote the definitive comic about World War One, Charlie's War, and the subversive superhero adventure Martial Law, which is currently being published in the U.S. in '89. Um, here in 2000 AD, he's usually working on either the fantasy slain here or ridiculous sci-fi epics like Nemesis, the Warlock, and the ABC Warriors. Hell yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Simon Bisley is a massively influential uh, artist here in, in, in England. Uh, for in, in fact, he's influential for this very work that we're reading right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's also done work on stuff like Lobo, Hellblazer, and a ton of album covers. Yeah, you can definitely see the Lobo yeah, in this. Yeah, for sure. You got that, those eye markings. Uh, Slain is the story mm. of a Celtic barbarian in the time before the Great Flood. After years as a feckless adventurer, Slain, along with his sidekick, Ucko the Dwarf, has become uh, king of his tribe, the Cesare, and is currently on a quest to recover and reunite the four artifacts of the Earth Goddess in a move to stave off the coming Great Flood and hopefully restore the matriarchal government and religion that his people have set aside also kick out the evil Fomorian sea devils besetting the land. Oh, God. Haven't seen those guys in a while. I mean, <laughs> I think we've heard reports of, like, battles against them and stuff, but yeah, they've been off screen for the most part. Mm-hmm. They're giant, slow-moving skull fortresses. Yeah. That was got, pretty rad. shark men. It's good times. Um, yeah. Right now, the story's being narrated by Ukko, who's far in the future. It's his memoirs, essentially. Previously, Slain tried to get King Rudrage to um, Rudrage to ally with him, so he get one of the treasures, the Silver Sword. Greetings, friends. Since this episode was recorded, it's been brought to my attention that this character's name is actually pronounced Rory instead of Rudrage. I apologize, and we'll get it right in time for book three. I promise. <laughs>
But after a good bit of a diplomacy, the evil sorceress Maeve, hiding in plain sight as Megrim, the wife of the former king in Slain's lands, have summoned the mm. demon Avigdu from the first of the treasures, the, ca- the Cauldron of Plenty, to attack Rudreg. Oh, Rudreg lost his hand and his wife, Slain's ex-lover and baby mama Neve, blames Slain for the whole situation. <sighs> it's a lot. You can see our coverage of part one of Slain, <laughs> the Horn God, in episodes 201 to 203. So, jumping in, I should say all of Slain, all the Slain stories start with a black and white credit page, um, and this one yeah. has a recap of the story as well, and it's just sort of to maximize the color pages to not have to have the credit cards and stuff like that on there. Yeah, it's helpful also. Yeah, it just lets you know, especially in this first one, it's kind of bringing everybody up to speed. In the future, Ukko remembers, then in the past, he goes to Neve, who is in the midst of fashioning an Army of Darkness-style robot hand for Rudray. So great. She's just like, yeah, I'll just like tie his tendons so the finger thinks it'll still work. And I'm like, that sounds really painful. Well, and just would require a level of like metalworking that I don't think is, exists in this world at this time, technically speaking. <laughs> Like, it's got to be pretty springy, springy metal for a tendon to be able to really be able to work it like like as good as new. Um, But anyway, Oko tries to convince Neve that Slane's uh, that Slane is a good guy. And it seems she believes him that he marvels at the cyber hand she's building. And there's some discussion (laughs) of dwarves blood and the Gebolga, a Celtic spear that rips open the target when it's removed, also being developed by women. God. So ridiculous. Like, it's funny. It's the ones these guys have is very different from the historical ones, which are just sort of like, I don't know, they kind of look like like a big, like if you put a W on top of an M and then mm. made that a spearhead. Whereas these <laughs> ones look more like, like um, what do I say? Like a cattail or something. But made, yeah. But like made of like downward facing spikes, basically. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm sure it would have a very similar effect. I mean, I think it would work, but I don't think you. I feel like it, I don't think it, it, it could be balanced to be thrown in reality. No. These versions, well, certainly what, not between your large toe and whatever the one next to that large toe yeah, is. Yeah, and that's exactly what Slade is showing to visit some visiting warriors. Just some secret spear moves here, including the toe throw, which After, he's done. Oh yeah, it's we've pretty, seen him kill a couple people move. with these with his throw. I was totally. Afterwards, Ukko tries to warn Slane about Maeve's evil plans, but Slane won't hear it. And these kinds of discussions can apparently only be held like in public, like in the middle of everybody hanging out. Um, which, and, and you know, honestly, you, his his kind of recounting of it makes a lot of sense to me. I guess, but like you know, he's Ukko is just trying to say that there's this evil sorceress, and Slane's like, I can't hear this. Get it, go away. I'm like I'm trying to save your <laughs> life, buddy. <laughs> Ukko, in fact, has seemed to worked out most of the evil plan already that Megrim's actually Maeve and working for the Lord, evil Lord, Lord Weird Slaufeg. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, um, meanwhile, it seems the recent warm weather is making Slane's pet dragon, the Nooker, grow sluggish yeah, and weak. Yeah, Nooker. Yeah, but it's a bad time for these dragons. Slane decides yeah. to work the old boy, boy out by heading to Phineas, another of the Celtic states, to try to get hit to get the spear of the sun sworn to his side. The druid Cathbad tries to warm them off, saying that the empowered earth goddess is causing the heat to melt the ice and cause a great deluge. And man, the mm. earth goddess is kind of a bitch to be to be to be honest, bro. Stop trying to help her so much. <laughs> no one likes your new girlfriend slain. Stop trying to make her be part of our society. It definitely came off that way. <laughs> 
Like, I'm not watching another weekend of football with her sitting there being sour, bro. Like, we got to figure it out. Anyway. I mean, well, and my God, there's three different versions of her that we constantly have to deal with. And, like, she says she'll betray us a lot. Like, that's like, that's how she says goodbye. Like, <laughs> see I'll you betray next, you one day. See you next time. I might be someone stabbing you in the back. Good times. Um, I mean, foreshadowing, I guess. Yeah. The credits page has, so for the next prog, has a dude with a big old beard, sort of Alan Moore style. Slain ignores, eh. Slain just ignores Cathbad's advice and heads to Phineas via <laughs> dragon. And man, oh, this art so is great. sweet. Yeah, just this full page of a dragon flying over the countryside. Awesome. Yeah, and also, like, Cathbad is apparently just a giant, like, Acropolis? <laughs> yeah, it's a giant, like, fortress, basically. Oh, it's so rad. There, Slain feasts on turnips with King Gan. He's got a very cynical outlook on life and gets along with Slain pretty well, actually. There's some talk of cow stealing that really reminds me of the video game A King of Dragon Pass, which Mm-mm. is basically a game built on cow stealing. Um, wow. <laughs> and talking to your council. Um, anyway... Slain offers, uh, says, there's like, listen, team up with me. I can offer you meat and glory, buddy. But Gan says, oh, yes, we're happy just to just eat bark and turnips. And everyone seems to agree oh, with him. Yeah. Gan doesn't want to fight, just wants to chill with his roots. And if anybody has a problem with that, they can take it up with him <laughs> and the spear of Lug, the thorn god, the, the sun god. Turns out, like, you want to fuck with me, I can just, like, use my magic spear that I can yell a word and it will definitely find its target. And then when I yell a different word, it immediately comes back to me. OP weapon, for sure. Yeah, it's got voice commands like an iPhone. It's awesome. (laughs) So it only sometimes understands what you're trying to tell it. I mean, I feel like that's what the rest of this comic tells us. Yes, Vox, it does. (laughs) (laughs) The spear is super angry. They have to keep it dosed with poppy leaves so it doesn't fly off the handle and just kill everybody in the the, the surrounding area. Want some blood to drink, dude. You can't just go not feeding it blood. This is a very Game of Thrones feel with the milk of the poppy and so forth. Mm. Top top three drinks of Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> and Slain notes the spear has a female face. Once again, talking about the ancient matriarchy stuff that underpins this whole story. Mm. Slain manages to get Gan on his side, though, with a bit, well, just by discussing what would happen if they get the four magic items assembled and how badass that would be. And (laughs) to convince him of his sincerity, Slain shows Gan a contract, which basically says, if Slain becomes High King over the Celts, then Gan will take over as King of Slain's tribe, the Cesar, so they'll be brothers with no king greater than the other. Damn. They drink blood. They drink each other's blood to seal the deal, oh, which is not God. good social distancing, Fox. And no, <laughs> just really not good in general. Not a good idea. And in the future, Ucko actually theorizes that since in Celt society, giving things away is a huge status symbol, giving away your whole tribe is like the ultimate one-upsmanship. <laughs> he just did it all to show off, buddy. I mean, I feel like he's not wrong. Druid Lady Ness says, that that's just a horrible lie. Like, that's ridiculous. Slain's a hero. But Ucko sticks to his guns and Slain's an asshole. Pretty solid. Um, <laughs> the next credit page is a sweet orky kind of looking warrior. In the future, mm. Ness is trying to convince Ucko that the way of the Horned God is to share power and be cool. But Ucko is extremely skeptical of all this. <laughs> I mean... As you should be, I feel like. Yeah. Nest has some more notes here, mostly about PC 
brigade nomenclature about an upcoming villain. Basically about you got, you got to invite a dragon ghost instead of summoning it. And you probably shouldn't call it a ghost. It's a whole different thing. But Ucko manages to retain authorial control as the dragon ghost is summoned by the evil sorceress Maeve to attack God damn right. Gan thinks it's the Nooker and accuses Slain of treachery and attacks him. Slain escapes this mm. attack in a fountain of blood, hands, and fingers, which is pretty awesome. Oh my god, it's Kill, so great. Kills some ancient red shirts here as he runs. Um, <laughs> and uh, boarding the Nooker, he rides off to fight the ghost dragon, but that doesn't stop Gan from throwing the spear uh. of lug with a mighty call of Eba, and it pierces the nook, the Nooker's head. No, Nooker. The credits page is a black and white image of Gan as Slain and the Nooker fall to earth. The phantom dragon attacks, and this, um, and, and we get some awesome aerial fighting scene God as the damn. Nooker rallies dragon to battle. take it on. Yeah, real good dragon fight. Still, the two fall to earth as Gan tries to call back his spear, but it is lodged in the diamond skull of the Nooker. We learned this Ugh. way back in the old days when we first met these guys that all mm. uh, all dragons have like sapphire eyes and skulls made of diamonds, basically. It's pretty rad. Yeah, decently rad. Um, <laughs> at, least, <laughs> at, at least through this all, Gan realizes his error and he just killed his new buddy's dragon, which is a party foul for sure. Yeah. As the phantom lands to feast on the Nooker's flesh, Slay Whoa. manages to work the spear free and then throws it, causing the phantom to explode God. from the inside I, out. I love that final, like, just this whole page is fucking amazing. But the one where you just sort of see his one, like, glowing blue eye post-throw, so rad. Definitely. Afterwards, Gan apolog apologized and agreed to team up with Slain as the barbarian scolds Uko for trying to cut out the Nooker's jeweled eyes. Oh, not even scold. Uh, uh, like, he just, just doesn't say anything as it slowly yeah. zooms in on his very pissed off eye. You are not touching my dragon. Uko's like, oh, you know, I was just, I was just thinking about it. You know, it's a keepsake. Cut out your eyes. No. no? Okay, <laughs> I guess. Next time, the final treasure. Oh, I'm sure that it took a lot for them not to say solution in that one. I know you love the when they call these stories final solution, Fox. I, they do it a lot. Just because they do do it a fair amount. Episode 210, Prog 654 to 656, November and December 1989. Thrill 5, Slay the Horn God. Fantastic. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Simon Bisley, lettering robot Steve Potter. So we start our story, uh, this time recounting um, the last needed treasure, the boogie that uh, Ucko has fished out of his nose and stuffed into his mouth. Oh, but no. More <laughs> but more uh, more specifically, the Leofail, the navel of the goddess. Ooh. Uh, so apparently it was uh, kept, it's being kept on the island of uh, Phalius. It's the capital mm -hmm. of the tribe of shadow uh, who apparently only fight at night, tattoo or paint their skin black as well as their shields. So, mm -hmm. ooh, spooky types. Yes. So we're introduced uh, to the Avank, uh, the last of the Beavermen. Uh, Saul Beavermen. <laughs> Uh, whose That's people right. were massacred by the tribe of shadow. Um, as the uh, uh, as the 
Avank recalls the slaughter. It's slowly revealed that Megram is in his mind, compelling him to retrieve the stone. Normally, Ooh, he's quite- that Megram. I know. Normally, uh, as this is sort of described to us, they were a pretty docile group, uh, but now he has become just a bit more vicious. Uh, so, in the Great Hall above, King uh, Sangan of the Shadow Tribe uh, has not been able to sleep. Apparently, his rest is constantly filled with the screams of those that he brutally murdered. I mean, I feel like yeah. that's just feel like that's pretty fair. <laughs> yeah, specifically the the of the beaver people themselves yes. that he took to uh, to to claim this land and, and get the sacred stone and stuff. It also appears that the Lee of Fail has slowly been converting his people to moon worshippers instead of sun worshippers. These guys, I guess, had once come in. They were part of, you know, the sun warriors. Now they are moon people. Yeah, which the beaver people were as well. They've sort of been poltergeisted a little bit, like mm -hmm. to become like similar to those that they conquered because of the influence of this here rack. Yeah, it definitely feels like there's some insidious shit going on with this uh, Earth Goddess shenanigan. Mm. So continually, the king wants his nightmares to end, and it seems that that is coming in the form of the Avank. The Avank! Laughably quick, the Avank, who had prior, again, been a much more peaceful creature, who had been trying to communicate with these lesser life forms that use speech instead of using mental uh, connectivity... Uh, you know, not picking up those Wi-Fi signals, I guess. Um, yeah, that's has, very... Sorry, go for it. Oh, I, I was going to say, there's a very Pat Mills section in here where he said, where he, apparently the beaver people tried not to develop a specific, not to develop language. Um, and that actually having language was a sign of stupidity because <laughs> by not forming a language, it meant that, um, their brains were able to form without the restraint that language imposes upon Ooh, you or something. I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that's that's the that's the exact response, but <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I guess. <laughs> so uh so you know what I find kind of funny about this is he just has a real easy time fucking up these people. Uh, kind oh, yeah. of tearing through the halls and just takes the stone unabated by the king um, and heads to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> the king even at one point is like, oh, I'd let him take it. You know, that thing's driving me crazy. I'm happy to see it go. The stone drives me crazy. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so news reaches Murius. Uh, who immediately tells Slane, everyone is super stoked to hear Slane's plan, swim to the, swim to the bottom of the ocean, and totally grendle this thing to death. Um, yeah. But, you know, he seems pretty all right to just, like, get drunk and be depressed for reasons. Definitely. Murius and Slane talk, Slane throwing a pity party, saying it's better to survive than gather all these items. You know, this is a horned god. It's about life, and maybe we just need to whatever... And this basically makes Murius rage quit. Yeah, apparently the Horned God is not really very results-oriented, Fox, you know? <laughs> I mean, we're going to find out exactly what kind of results this cup gets. Uh, That's fair, actually. But yeah, but, but the basic, like, the concept of what Slane's saying is like, listen, like, I'm directly in opposition to those sun heroes who are the ones who go on big quests and stuff like that, you know? I'm here for the laughs, but once it gets hard, that means that I gotta give up because I guess that's the kind of hero that we're looking for in this age. <laughs> you know. All right, buddy. This is the part of the uh of the Earth Goddess stuff that um I that really reminds me of that um 
the balance stuff we had in, oh, in previous yeah. Lane stories. Yeah. Like, I just, you know, we're telling the story of a heroic dude. And so I don't like when he embra- when we talk about these philosophies that are actually like, actually, like the best way is to do nothing. Like, that just seems like, you know, like fair, I guess. That's <laughs> a good uh, – that might be a decent personal philosophy, but I don't think it's a good philosophy for this, you know, fake character in your comic strip that we're trying to see the adventures of, you know? And, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, there's, like, an imposing horde of Slough Fag just, like, bearing down on everything. It just doesn't, like, it doesn't match up to me. Yeah, that's true. Like, it, the, yeah, philosophically, like, it's less like the, uh, yeah, like, like, your actions have direct influence on whether the rampaging hordes will eat your people or if it'll be flooded by the <laughs> melting ice caps as opposed Ugh. to sort of the the ennui of the of like of drinking coffee in a post-war paris uh paris cafe or or whatever else uh camus into you know <laughs> wow <coughs> so megram now seeing that slain's in a slump and all alone straight up shoves his face right into her breasts in a Woo. not subtle gesture of uh, sort of the Marvin Gaye classic. Um, seems like Slane uh, is going to oblige, which will give Magrum uh, control over Slane. Uh, we move. Yeah, good times. Uh, we we move back to the Avang, deep in his. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Under- oh, I, please. I I I just want to say. Um, that uh, you know when Megrim uh, uh, seduces Slain, mm. there one is some suggestive obelisk fondling. I'm just saying. Oh, I, no, you know, this was very uh, bringing that on, up on the D. <laughs> and uh, and also there's a pretty funny part where Slain's like, "Listen, Megrim, you're hot and all, but like I did it with a goddess <laughs> while I was inside that cauldron." Yeah. So I'm used to a pretty high, like, standard of lady, I guess. <laughs> and Megram then makes a fair point about, um, li- listen, I am very lovely and the Earth Goddess is very not here. And that seems to be enough <laughs> to convince, convince Slane for them to start doing it. I mean, that and, and her grabbing his head and thrusting it right into her cleavage. It's a multi-pronged attack. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> but she thinks Slane is hers to command at last. You know, she's been trying to work a glamour upon him, you know, and mm-hmm. it looks like he's finally given in and may now at, at last become disastrously booty blind like the king before him. <laughs> So, so we move to the Avag, deep in his undersea cave, fondling and cradling his newly gotten stone. Megram's voice seems to be gone now. He can finally rest in his dreams with his dead wife and children. Oh, man, mm. that's sad. Yeah, bad times. So topside, it appears that Ukko and Nima, or Niam, Neve. Uh, uh, Neve, uh have come to see King Sengen, who is, well, like, just insane now, I guess. Um, yeah, they got a full who's on first kind of thing. <laughs> it's a very as they're weird trying to thing. introduce him, you know. Exactly. Um, it it appears that they just really want to go get. Had you know, we just need a boat and some dudes. We're gonna go fetch that stone again. We we have a bunch of confusing dialogue where it's clear that the king does not know what the fuck is going on. But the major mm-hmm. domo immediately assists in setting that shit up real quick, and we learn the real ruse. Slain is getting it on with Megram to distract her from Avank so that they can get the stone. And that just seems to me like, okay, sure, that is probably true. 
I mean, I just think that Slane is DTF. That's all. I mean, you can be you can be DTF and be doing it to manipulate <laughs> someone, Fox. <laughs> I'm just saying that, you that's, know, that's, that's what we call that, you know, when you're trying to, when, when, when you're trying to, uh, to manipulate the seductress, but you also actually do it. That's what I like to call being able to wet my beak a little bit. You know, <laughs> I can't wet my beak, Fox. I'm the goddamn king <laughs> of all these people. I'm a horned god, <laughs> goddammit. I could do two things. <laughs> I could do two things. Or or one thing for two reasons, perhaps. I mean <laughs> He's definitely taking it for the team. And speaking of doing that, Uko suits up in an amazing diving outfit and is kicked out to the ocean and makes sure that prior to this he's like, Well, let's see here. I wonder who's getting the better deal out of all three of us, because it seems to me that one of us is getting a great one, the other one gets to sit on a boat. And I get to go to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> yeah, he's in this diving suit that's kind of like those guys from Wizards, yeah, the I... old cartoon movie, mm -hmm. but also a little like a KKK goblin kind of look also. <laughs> Maybe it's... It's, just, it's just a pointy hat. You yeah, know? it's definitely got – it's a little weird. But, you know, creative. And uh, so we cut to Uko entering the cave, ready to thieve the sleeping Avanks treasure. Yeah. Slain will return in Prague 660. And the end of what's Slain. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's a little weird here actually is that um, last issue, uh, 655 also said Slain would return in 650. Okay. And if you notice, both of them have big cliffhangers like that. Mm -hmm. and it seemed like they weren't quite sure about it. Yeah. I will say that that one actually Slain won't be back until Prague 662. Um, in late oh, January of next come year. Come on, yeah. But also, I gotta say, I think the second slain, the second story we talked about, or the the second prog of slain, would have been a better cliffhanger for that time than this one. Like because I think that idea of slain not knowing what he's gonna do and being seduced by Megrim would be a really cool down note to leave slain on for a couple weeks. Mm. But if this one, they've explained that Slane's not actually being seduced and they basically have an idea of how they're going to get the navel and stuff like that. So, you know, what what's Ukko going to do when he's conf when he confronts the Avank is less of like something I want to mull over for five weeks or whatever. <laughs> no offense to Ukko. Ukko's I mean, my dog. Yeah, but, but he's also it's not, not quite like the, the same. prime the prime character you want to fucking cliffhang on, in my opinion. Yeah, especially because they just kind of incidentally in dialogue take the air out of the other big cliffhanger, which is Slain and uh, Megrim canoodling, you know? See, that would have been an actual, like, decent cliffhanger there, right? Like, yeah, ooh. so I think... Yeah, so this feels like a like a, a a bit of a a bit of a misstep to me. Not a massive yeah. one, but especially sort of how we re how they they're relating they're releasing this stuff. It's a, it's it seems like a bit of a of a poor move. I firmly agree on that one. And so you know, I like for me at the very least, I I find Slain to be pretty pretty all right. Uh, I I what I really wanted to shout out, and I didn't get to do that in in kind of oh, yeah. my my descriptions was there's a lot of talk about a navel. There's a lot of this talk about like passages and caves, and especially as we kind of go into six fifty six, there's mm -hmm. you know it definitely talks more about a womb or in like the stomach, uh, like kind of the belly of the goddess because he's deep within the earth in this case. 
Yeah. Um, I think that that's a very interesting thing. Uh, what with this also looking like an egg as opposed to a navel, I suppose. It's it, There's some neat imagery in here that I, I was like, nah, you guys kind of fucking, you get what you're doing, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of the cave stuff is really cool. Just the Avonk moving through these old caves and stuff. And I think in uh, the opening in 654, just the discussion of the beaver people and sort of these lost ways and conquering sun heroes mm-hmm. was also really is well written and, or, and is sort of a, the kind of, you know, one of these throwbacks to the earth goddess that we've sort of been talking about and sort of what the problem with these conquering sun heroes is. I think it's an interesting story to be to, to see as something taking place in like ancient Europe, I guess, mm-hmm. just because it feels more like a like an, a, a colonization story, which I'm more used to taking place in the Americas and stuff. But it is very much of that theme, I think. Yeah, yeah. I like I dig that a lot. It's definitely dark. Fuck. I mean, the guy's going through night terrors just remembering murdering all these people, right? Yeah, definitely. I think it, it it is really interesting just to see how this slaughter has affected uh, the king and this sort of how this last survivor of his people um, is sort of making his way through the world. Mm-hmm. Episode 214, Prog 660 to 663, January 1989. Thrill 6, that horned god though. <laughs> <laughs> Goblin underwear. <laughs> Script about Pat Mills, art about Simon Bisley, letter about Steve Potter. So I'm just gonna freaking repeat the recap from the end of Proc 663, buddy. I feel like that's pretty accurate. <laughs> the Avonk, the last of the beaver folk under control of Maeve, has stolen the sacred stone known as the Navel of the Goddess from King Sengen and has taken it to his lair at the bottom of the sea. While slain diverts the attention of Maeve in the guise of Megrim, Neve and Ucko mount a recovery mission. That we see a boob. Oh, sorry. This we is see me a taking, taking over <laughs> because the uh, recovery mission involves Ucko diving into Yvonne's undersea cave and stealing the stone back. Yeah. Jump right into the action as Ucko, still in deep sea diving de- suit, ties a rope, a rope around the rock and is dragged to the surface. He goes to follow and wonders how Slane is getting on pretty well, honestly, as Slane and Maeve uh, yeah. are post-coital. And indeed, we see a boo. Like, I, like I've never... It's... Well, I should say, it's been a while since, like, full breast out, like, I, that I've seen in a comic and certainly not one from 1990 that hasn't been, like, you know... I mean... I believe there was a boob or two oh, I'm in, sure. the pre- in, the, in the previous book. Oh, of this, the but guy. this is a full color boob. Yeah, no, this one's full on. It's looking right at you, buddy. You know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm surprised because, like, you know, Don't I, stare I, into I grew it up too much, or you, you, you could turn into a boob yourself. Oh my style. God. Oh my god. Well, because like me and uh, to be clear, like when I was younger, like friends of mine, because this was the only way that you could get it, like. We we had different VHS cassettes of heavy metal. And like heavy metal is if you haven't seen it and because it can't get a wide release ever for all of the reasons is a fucking great production of cartoons, music and just like st- just crazy sex violence. Uh it's very yeah. metal. Um and that's kind of like something where I was like, wow, this is really intense and and like something I've never seen as a kid. That was like around the 90s that I even like saw that for the first oh, time. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, honestly, like um, 
like I've I've talked about like the first volume of the Horn God being being popular on 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 the on continental Europe, and that's because it has like Bisley's style and the content of it mm. like has a lot that's very similar to medi- heavy metal the, yeah. uh, the the anthology comic or a metal hurlon I believe as it's called in uh, in a uh, French and yeah this very much feels like they're upping some like i mean listen it's gonna get real crazy in book three but um <laughs> like this is this is very much them sort of like listen we gotta like we gotta we gotta get this thing up a little bit <laughs> yeah to kind this of thing up gotta get sex to, and to, violence to, to in fit there in. gotta yeah exactly. gotta show some man junk Ooh yeah listen there's a whole thing it's gonna be a lot <laughs> we got a lot coming anyway yeah so boobs it's staring into your soul box um <laughs> Slane says he's totally down with her controlling him, and uh, she and pulls her in for another round. But Maeve is suspicious and mm. reaches out to the Avank and finds the stone has been taken. And then Slane says she's a lousy lay. Oh, oh no. man, he's a huge dick. It seems uh, Slane's known about the truth all along from the very start, but is doing one of those keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer, and be occasionally inside them type things. Wow. Um, Also 10 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Maeve will no triumph, though, and summons the Avanc to anger. It rises up and starts... To jaws its way through Neve's oh. boat, <laughs> even as <laughs> even as she grips the silver sword, the beast tries to kill her, but she's just too hot to kill. And he takes the uh, the sword to the chest and falls into the water. That guy is dead as she hail. She has severed the umbilical cord connecting him with life, and it's time for him to be like, "Hey, what's up, wife and kids? I'm in the afterlife now." Yeah, look at my laugh belly button. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the credit pages are back for the for, for the next prog uh, as we see a, a dark sketch of Slade himself. King Sengen's going nuts. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's got painted black skin and kind of an Egyptian look, we'll recall. And he's moon-torn, a.k.a. a lunatic. He is and not looking okay. Nah. Neve and Ukko are taking the stone, and Sengen is invited to the Assembly of Kings and 14 Knights. I feel like invited is in heavy quotation marks. I mean, listen, he's got to come by because he's got a ceremonial role, role in it, but like they aren't expecting too much. <laughs> <laughs> Back in Murius, it seems Maeve has run off after being exposed. So now it's coronation time. The kings gather on a hill called the Bolgdanu, the uh, belly of the moon goddess. And there are some boob hills nearby, making it sort of a geographical Venus of Willendorf, I guess. It really gets the fucking point across. Yeah, listen, this map's gynecological, buddy. It's all right. Wow. Getting some thoughts. <laughs> um, These hills are making me somehow very horny. Mm. On the hills, the Stone of Destiny, the navel of the goddess, is placed, like sort of putting on the belly, I see. Dan's got an Audi, I guess. Um, <laughs> with the cauldron of blood before it, taking the sword and the spear, King Gan stands atop the stone, but nothing happens. Womp, womp. King Sengen is sort of dragged across it. Again, nothing. Nope. Um, King Rudrage, or Rory, as I've been told it's pronounced, which is ridiculous. That's not, that is, I mean, I respect the people of the spelling of things, my dude, but I, that is not, 
you'd have to tell me how D is not, how the D is silent in that, and then what its place really is. I would say, uh, you know, take it up with the Irish folks. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. They're yelling at me, and I'm just telling you what they're saying. Uh, <laughs> So uh, anyway, but he goes to, to, to take a shot, but you can't be High King with a personal with a personal blemish and having your hand cut off counts, even if you've got a robot hand to replace it. And also he did a cry afterwards, so really. Yeah. Well, oh, and it says Slane... sulk under him. <laughs> ah. Slane steps up and the stone goes white. You see some flamingos fly past the stone or past the moon and the stone cries out its approval. And from the cauldron, the young aspect of uh, Danu, uh, Blodoweed, um, who, I, who, as I've heard it's pronounced, uh, rises up. Looking fairly Rubenesque here with a sweet silver helmet with giant stag horns like we saw at the start of book one. All right. And she is super into people seeing her. No one's eyes should be covered. She really wants yeah. her giant orgy party on Earth to get going on. And people yeah, Kat- building Kat- cities is just really covering her up. And she is not into not being nude. Absolutely. Yeah. Cathbat tries to get Ucko to look away. But uh, Blodoweed is like... You know, the lady of the flowers, like, listen, I'm here for people to, to, to take a gander. Come on. You know, shame's for lame dudes. <laughs> oh uh, Slane kneels before her and she puts the helmet on him. Be hardy, not hard. Be strong, not brutal. Amuse, don't abuse. You're lord of the beast, lord of the beasts, but still a beast. Rule not. Rule not for power, but pleasure. Bring peace and harmony to the earth. Restore the kingdom of pleasure. Yeah, I mean, there's some underscores on that one. Damn, buddy. Mm. The goddess recedes and Slade is cheered by the crowd. King of Kings. Hey, 10 out of 10. Throw your arms out. Look like a warhammer. Hey, why not? Next time on Slane, a gathering of forces. Oh, man, it's time for some battle. I love his warthog belt, or I should say, what do you even yeah. call that? Because it's not a belt. Uh, it's like a, I mean, it's cummerbund. like, it's like, it's like no. yeah, a codpiece. Oh, no, that's got to like, be lower down. Although, if belt, it was a, a warthog fucking, that's kind of, it's, 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 you know, it's, uh, look, he is clearly, uh, you know, world champion. That's why yeah. it's a giant warthog. I feel like – listen, giant warthog tusk is way bigger than like that spinner thing that was in there for a couple of years in oh, WWE. Oh, yeah, no. Yes, no, 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 no. Warthog, <laughs> yeah, listen. warthog full on. I'm into that. Getting very close to this big showdown. I think it might not actually start till book three, but we're getting very close to it. Oh, man, it's going to be very exciting. I'm very excited. Episode 215, Prog 664 to 667. February 1989. Thrill for Slane. Oh, hell yes. Script Robot Pat Mills, Art Robot Simon Bisley, Letting Robot Steve Potter. Just one Slane here. The Horn mm-hmm. God, Volume 2, Part 10. Jesus. There's a credits page with another sort of sci-fi barbarian going on here. Um, these sections are very much just what it seemed like, whatever, just what Bisley's uh, doodling at the time. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, anyway, in the time beyond time, Fox, where Ucko's writing this story, the aging dwarf asks next for a break as he's about to go to the big battle scenes and the climax of the story. And he's also got plans to get drunk with the tongue collector. So, like, you know, could I just, like, knock off early? And 
<laughs> Instead, Ness suggests praying to Ogmios, the god of literature, for guidance and stuff. Man, I love this whole how this whole thing plays out. Ukko complies, asking the god to write a chapter or two for him, and his prayers are answered. Kind of. Ink, the ink brush animates and spells uh, so off, which I'm assuming means sawed off. Um, anyway, Ukko has to go back to writing it. I gotta say, Fox, I'm in the process of writing all the recaps for our currently upcoming, but will be over by the time this episode comes out. Uh, Big Star Lordathon. Oh, hell and yeah. The pro- concept of having 24 recaps ready for that thing oh. has definitely got me got me praying to Agamos and asking him to share some of this load. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hope everybody enjoyed that. This is like our first episode we're recording after I finalized the plans hell for it. Hell yeah, so baby. Dating these episodes. Um, anyway, Uko, yeah, so the final battle is beginning from the south come the Droon Lords with skull sword soldiers led by the old horn god, the Lord Weird Slough Fag and his priestess Maeve. They're allied with the Fomorian sea demons from the north, led by Baylor of the Evil Eye, and that eye is a freaking laser or Man, something. Whoa. Laser eyes always a fucking cool addition to any armament. Hundred yeah, percent. In the middle are the tribes of the Earth Goddess, of course, led by High King Slain. In the frozen water of the Inner Sea, which is in the middle of, the, of where the Irish Sea is today, they muster, and as is tradition, the last one to arrive is executed for good luck. Their severed head held high for the goddess. Keep this detail of, of, a, of a Celtic society in mind for later. Okay. The great battle that will decide the fate of the land of the young is about to begin in the Horde God Book Three. Pretty rad. I'm excited for it. Looking, looking Me forward to, to some battles. Some good setup here. Some real like five armies stuff going on. Absolutely. I have just everybody massing in their thousands to fight these guys. It'll come in July of this year, about nine episodes from now, including specials and annuals. Who doesn't love a good mustering? Yeah, man. Listen, get that uh, spicy brown muster. You know, it's solid. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm more, I'm more of a, you know, just more kind of, of Dijon, man. Yeah, you know, I like, I like a, a sweet hot uh, muster. You know, plain yellow muster. Nah. Anyway, episode two hundred and twenty-four, Prog six hundred and eighty-eight to six hundred and ninety-one, July and August nineteen ninety. Thrill three, slay. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Simon Bisley, lettering robot Steve Potter, the Horned God 3. It has been too long and heads must roll. Let us see the holy weapons. Yeah, as always with these slains, we've got a title page that the comic itself is unsullied with logos and credits. Uh, this time, we, we've got a very orky-looking slain on the, on, oh, the, on, mean, on the credit page. Bisley kills this entire thing, man. Oh, yeah. No, listen. Bisley's bodying this comic right now. Definitely. He's doing great work. There are muscles last, where muscles yeah. were on muscles. That's beautiful. Definitely. At last, it's time for battle. All the tribes of the earth, goddess Danu, led by Audrey Slain, king of kings, go to fight. I love that it, the battles just look like a giant muscle party. Oh, yeah. Big muscle hustle. Ukko, in his later days, in the time beyond time, the Eternal Fortress, is writing the narrative and gives a quick recap of the story so far. 
Uh, the battle starts. We get a rundown of the magical weapons on display. The screaming spear of oh, the sun flying around on its own, killing people by the dozen. The silver sword of the moon wielded by Slade's former lover, Neve, who's got just amazing back musculature here. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it is, uh, you know, you can have a deep V on the front. This is a massive V on the back. <laughs> Like, if you're into this sort of thing, Neve will kick your ass. I mean, you gotta. Oh, when you, I'm into when it. When you have a massive silver sword that cuts through all armor. Listen, I'm a large man, but would appreciate a larger woman that could carry me around. That seems pretty awesome. <sighs> anyway. The um, cauldron, <laughs> though, is one of my faves. Yeah. Well, now, and then finally, there's they, they, they don't talk about the stone, which I guess is sort of law. It doesn't have a lot of battlefield uses. But the last one's the, the cauldron of blood, which can be used to raise the dead as a sweet undead army fighting for you i, I love how Big you see them just in. drop into a pit of things and then they just crawl up like the yep. side of a toss thing. them in set it in forget it then they crawl back out bisley's art masterful of course and this whole thing is just built like a full graphic novel which mm. means that we don't have a ton of cliffhangers and recaps in the course of it you know you just kind of kind of got to grab on and go for the ride because it's fucking horn god time is the basic answer here. Observe, and then when you see something really awesome, there's a couple of words that explain that eye lasers just happen. Yeah. Uh, the credit, so we go to the next prog, the credit page is some flying ships. I think a reference to that Dutchman man slain story, the, uh, the sky ships from way oh. back when. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, yeah, I like that one and had big battle scenes as well. Um, we see some – like basically this is where we see sort of the uh, the graphic novel nature of it because there's sort of the first – like 688 kind of ends mid-description of the undead hordes. We kind of finished doing that in 689. Um we move on to these huge battle scenes. Oh, we learn yeah. about the Celts undead army attacking the sea devils. Um, and we, I, it's, it's hard for me to tell because I feel like we've seen Formorians before and they've just been kind of shark men. But now they have kind of a mix of humans and a bunch of other races yeah. as well. But they definitely uh, the do more of the winged helmet look now. Yeah, they've, they've got a very Viking and like kind of a... I guess like traditional mm. um, villains of a, of a British folklore look. They're not I'd just say. riding around in giant skull ice caves eating people. I mean, I, I miss that, but yeah, mm -hmm. um, the f the formers have power too. We see the laser eye of their uh, of their commander, <sighs> who we've, we've seen him before w w with his laser eye. For I, the record, I love that laser eyes are a bad guy move in in kind of 2080 canon. Yeah, definitely, and they and they ride around these giant war boars as well. Just kind of get let. Hey, loose man, they can do the a glamour on the animals, on the animals. Yeah. The battle is furious, and through it rides Slain on a spike and bladed war chariot, stabbing his charioteer in the butt with a goad. Then, like <laughs> as he approaches the battle, he jumps forward and stands between the horses to scare everybody, lashing back and forth with his axe and stuff like that. But. What no one realized, Fox, is that all this fighting on the frozen lake of the center oh, of what will eventually right. be the Irish Sea causes all that ice to melt. And we see in a giant like burst of ex like explosion, basically, uh, Slain falls into the sea. So I love that Ucko is, is trying to explain and everybody just kind of ignores him. However. Yeah, yeah. He's... 
what comes of this is so fucking epic. Yeah, so we cut to a Fomorian party, and they're a very mixed bunch, actually. There's, like, regular human guys, green-eyed ladies with, like, very, like, tiger, with with green tiger stripes of various sizes on them. They're demons, man. Yeah, there's lizards and baboon dudes, lizard and baboon dudes. But one thing is certain, they love the taste of human tears. We've seen this before. Uh, One drinks some, and these ones have tequila worm style eyeballs floating in the bottom as well, which is pretty cool. Um, Gotta have your human eyes with your human tears. It's the only way to really spice it up. Yeah. They're, they're traveling around on a ski ship on the ice, like an ice with like a ship with runners that allow it to go along the ice and stuff. When suddenly a figure appears and it's a 100 percent, a 100% warped, full, incredible Hulk slain. His head's just a divot inside of his giant muscles. And he comes forward, hacks through these demons and the fights rejoined even as the ice breaks. Listen, he's like... I don't give a fuck that this is your Tobogan. To boat boggin? Toboggan boat? Yeah, I <laughs> got gotcha. you. Boat boggin? Yeah. He's going to destroy the shit out of it. <laughs> However, my favorite image in the entirety of our episode today is not just him ripping through all these people. That was awesome. It is how Uko is trying to describe it on scrolls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As Uko's writing this, his like style is almost as violent as the battle himself. Exactly. Just huge slashes of ink across paper and stuff like that. It's really he's like jumping around the room, writing it feverishly. But now, Fox, the battle is over and the catastrophe begins. <laughs> so the credits page has that baboon guy and a goblin guy from Last Prague, like busily again just having fun. I think drawing a lot of really detailed armor and pieces of flair on them and things like that. Um, the Sea Demons, Fox, they've fled back to Tory Island and Slane's collecting brain balls, as you do. D- don't think it too many. When, <laughs> well, he never does. No, when his Lieutenant Mongan comes with bad news. Hey, man, great, listen, everything's fucked. Yeah, the Great Plain has been flooded. Tiernanog has become Tiernanbo, uh, the Land of Tears. Which basically means, hey, all of what used to not be flooded is now flooded. And by the way, it's now that there is England, I guess. That's my well, assumption. And Ireland, too. Oh, I course. mean, basically, like this whole place was ta- this whole thing was taking place in the Irish Sea, you know, between Ooh. Ireland and England. And right. the whole reason for the fight was that if we do this, then no the Earth Goddess won't won't flood our lands. Which but they they did fight and she did flood their lands. And here's where we get some pretty essential Pat Mills talking about females in mythology stuff where basically like the earth goddess is going to fuck you over, buddy. She said she would at the first opportunity. <sighs> Mixed feelings. Order, yeah. But I, it's I, gonna happen I do a lot. get it because there's a, there's actually a lot of this in, in mythos. Like, so I appreciate like it, female, but also like female characters that the main character trusts implicitly, then betraying that male character is a steady trope in Pat Mills's writing in this in in oh, this period. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like we're gonna we're, we're gonna see it quite a bit. I don't think it speaks too well to what uh, to what Mills's marriage might have been like at this time. But let's talk more about it when we get to Finn. Here is what I'm of trying course. to say. Um, so. Uh, 
Slain orders the tribes to split and and escort their various refugees to the high ground to the west in what is now Ireland, and then return to these banks in seven days for the muster and the final battle. But as they do, the evil sorceress Maeve in her chain pasties (laughs) weaves a spell of fog and Slain's former lover Neve gets lost. And then oh. is the last person to arrive at the muster. So and as we know from, la- from book two, that means that she's gonna g- got to be executed. So rough. And it, uh, I love their whole exchange because she, I mean, I know that you're going to explain it, but she like pleads with him to do it and also tries to logic through their logic the reason they should. And you just kind of see them. It's... <sighs> It's real good. Uh, yeah. It's so good. And and all of the art does the talking. <sighs> yeah. Her her husband, Rory, tries to offer himself up in her place, but that, that's apparently no good. And then Ucko appears, just in time to be offered to the goddess, eh? But dwarves don't count for this stuff. Nor do madmen like King Sengin, who's just come rolling up as well. We gotta kill this lady. That's just how it goes. You got no choice. Because... Like that, the the magic and the customs demand it, <laughs> and if you don't do it, then and like magic and customs are the only thing keeping this force together. So if you want to keep the tribes united and be able to defeat the Lord <laughs> Weir and free ourselves from his brutal yoke, so Eve must be killed. All right, that's the only way to do it. There's a thousand reasons why, and the only reason not to is because you like you know banged her a couple times and have a son together, and that's not a good. <laughs> enough reason buddy man they they just really do somersaults to just make that work out (laughs) (laughs) um well no so i I, so what i really like about it is uh, i mean i don't we don't know if he does it because it's a cliffhanger yeah but i i love how everybody is just dtk we're down to murder this woman right now even her there's no choice yeah they're they're bound to do it and they know that it would things will be way worse for them if they don't like it's a big deal it's very um what you call it uh fair wind for troy kind of stuff going on here oh, like yeah. where um where agamemnon has to sacrifice his daughter so they can uh, sail off to the trojan war and stuff um but yeah neve must be executed she and Slain embrace, and Neve, who's been the most skeptical about the changes Slain's made to his life, yeah. declares that in doing this, he is the true horn god. It, it's it's my it's my second favorite image of this whole thing is their embrace. It, it was so good. Yeah. The the third, by the way, is um, Maeve, right? Maeve. It, yeah. It, you see her in like the tiniest pocket, just like staring out. Like between bones and stone. Yeah, no, uh, she's she's watching on in, in the distance for sure. It's real crafty. Yeah, she tells Slain that they'll meet again in the underworld, and she kneels down, and Slain begins to swing his mighty axe. Next time, the final battle. <sighs> Man, it just comes in and punches you in the face, and then just keeps punching you in the face. Uh, yeah, and what I love is that it it commands so much attention, and that the first thing that you look at is the art, and then like kind of the the descriptive box. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you need the context, because most of the time you just don't. Uh, Slain is just yeah, so it's well mostly done. there for mostly there for cleanup, and the art's doing most of the heavy lifting Ooh. here. I think 
it was so beautiful. It's so good to have him back. And also, I don't know if he's going to do it or not. Like, it's 2000 AD, so it's hard to... In this situation, it's hard to say. Yeah. No, definitely. Hey, we'll find out next episode. That's going to be exciting. Episode 227. Prog 692 to 695. August and September 1990. Mail 3. Slain. There's junk stabbing. It's the best part. <laughs> I, I love this. I love this comic so much. <laughs> Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Simon Bisley, letter robot Steve Potter, the Horn God, book three, part five. I I really didn't think that there was going to be like a like a and a story arc for uh, 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 a crotch horns. <laughs> oh yeah. Listen, he got that championship belt the hard way. He's going to use it, buddy. So uh, only. The credit cards for this one shows the dead rising from the ground. Very good times. We um we ended with Slain being very emotional last time. Or very emotionally with the barbarian preparing to execute his former oh, lover, Neve. Whoops. Yeah, to appease the goddess Danu because she was the last of the muster. But as he swings, his axe of voice rings out. Because so it's like, are- oh, wait. I, I love the, what? Yeah. Some soldiers have found the evil witch Maeve spying on them, and that means she is the last to the muster. Nice. Hey, listen, maybe we should cut her head off, but hey, I guess not. Yeah, it's also not nice, because Slane would love to just execute Maeve for all the shit she's done over the years. <sighs> it really and doesn't be- seem like it. Because he would like to execute her, he can't. Because um, he's got to defy the laws, the laws and let her live. That's just how it goes. <sighs> Besides, the laws are binding and the kingdom of pleasure and stuff. That just doesn't make sense. I mean, you're going to have sex with the woman that you're going to trick into making sure that nothing happens to the people that you were distracted from having sex with, or with I guess. So Listen, apparently that. the same reason he couldn't spare Neve is why he's got to spare Maeve. That's just how it goes. Uh, Rory, <laughs> Neve's husband, <laughs> offers Maeve a chance to join them, but she's sticking with the Lord Weird Slaufeg. That dude's awesome. And I mean, things he's got get that weird. stink. Yeah, oh, she compliments his foul-smelling ways and gets odd. Slane uh, te- uh, tries to get... Yeah, she tries to get all time killers on her, <laughs> saying that she was going to be sacrificed to the evil macrobe weirdo Krom Kruak, who Bisley's drawing to look very, as much like a toothy space penis as possible. I Super, mean, it's veiny. It's veiny got, and It's got weird. a vast deference. I'm not into this. I hate it. I hate... Yep. I hate sexual organs with teeth i think everyone can agree with that anyhow so slain's trying to blow mave's mind with this but mave is not (laughs) impressed man she knows this stuff dudes are dumb like okay bro you tell me something i don't know here um slain asks instead hey if you if you're so smart why don't you teach me your thing so we can bring down the patriarchy and bring back the uh rule of witches 
Maeve, of course, is skeptical about all this. She calls out the evil church dudes <sighs> in, Slave's, in Slane's life, making fun of their robes and stuff, which sounds like it's getting very close, just sort of plain old anti-priest stuff as opposed to ancient mythology, ancient priest stuff. His plans are <sighs> yeah. falling. You can't change things from within. You just got to blow it all up with your sweet dragon, then fly <sighs> off and embrace the nihilism of Slough Fag Fox. That's the time, only way. Time to summon a penis dragon and have some nihilism that's i mean if there's anything i live by yeah at this point the drune lords attack so let's get fucking to it slaufeg has a big monologue for uh for the killing of dudes as battle rages slain and mave continues their theological debate as they go she makes some cogent points about the earth goddess Destroying slaves, people, huge despite jerk. her supposed love. Yeah, she's not a the Earth goddess. Not a cool lady. I, I'm feeling like she's the bad guy here. Yeah, Maeve is basically pitching a war a worship of the Earth goddess as a death cult as her <laughs> dragon kills everything, which is fair enough, I guess. Listen, lots man, of I'm, words. I pretty appreciate. I'm pro stink. I mean, I stink <laughs> all the time. I'm pro definitely. Stink. I love that you've ter- that, that that you've come around on the amount of words in the Horn God as well. Like that's real cool. Oh no, um, I mean no. Like we're not even to like peak Slough Fag yet. Oh no, yeah. So next up in the title card, there's some dude that's got an axe, a sword, and several arrows sure. going through his head. I, well, it's I time- do like this because it feels it feels very like other parts of the comic in past times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's real yeah. good. It's time to fight. We see the items of power again. The shining spear mm. flying around, killing everybody. Neve cutting fools in half with the Not shining really sword. Doing much. She's doing some. I mean, she's doing some stuff, but it is very no, I just much mean, like all of the weapons seem to be like nah versus. Eh. There's just a there's a lot of drune lords and drunes to fight. I think so. Like even they can't make a huge dent. They You'll see, of course, the cauldron bringing dudes back to back to life and stuff. Um, but things are going bad. The army was weakened after the last fight, and the druids have sky ships that can drop bombs with. Uh, meanwhile, oh, in the endless in the endless fortress in the time beyond time, Ucko is growing rap growing rapidly older. I, got, yeah. I love this B plot. Sorry, I just I yeah, love no, the B plot because I didn't realize it, and then it started dawning on me, and I'm like, wait. There's some shit going on. Like maybe the people having him write this are not good. At the very least, they're very much focused on him getting it written out as opposed to, say, preserving his health or keeping him comfortable or something like that. It it really bothers me. And I like that. I like that about writing. Definitely. Yeah, he's got maybe a week to live and a few days to write to the, left to finish to the, the saga. Death of Slain. Yeah, the druids want to hear the tale of Slain's death. It seems back in the battle, though, Slain puts on his coronation helmet, the helm of the Horn God, and but this not is to bad, I guess. Well, the the druids think that he's doing this to mock uh, uh, Slaufek, but instead he's here to convince them that they were once the same religion, one people, but they've been following false priests, be they druids or druids. That their seems horn god, legit, yeah. though. Totally, yeah. He explains that their horn god is old and rotting and impotent, a being of living death, and so Slaufek arises from his pool of slime and gives. Basically a combination of Roy Batty's speech from Blade Runner and the Rolling Stones song Sympathy for the Devil sort of mixed into I, one. That's I I 
I don't like, have a quip. Like actually, that it's no man. It's true. Just, but also, if you're if you're reading along with us, or if you're not reading along with us, you should read it. It is how he how Slough Fake delivers things is highly. Yeah, he poetic, talks real cool. But, he make. He, so good. He makes a lot of references to things we've seen, like talking about hanging mm. out with with Elric and Scythrule and stuff like that, who we've seen in previous weirder slain stories it's and stuff. Happened before. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the T beams off the shoulder of Orion. Pleased to meet you. Won't you guess my name? That kind of stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, Slaufek does seem pretty cool. And what can Slain offer us in the end? He's just some guy. And Slain says, I can offer you not dying when this land floods. And it's about to. And the Druids are planning to ditch you guys and escape on their sky ships. All right. And that seems convincing. I mean, yeah. Let's get out the, these sky ships. Let's not worry about this shit. And let's yeah. uh, leave this weird genitalist dude alone. He's got something. The Druids turn on their masters as Slain hacks through Slaufeg's guard. Maeve flies in to stop him, melting his horse pretty awesomely with dragon fire. We see it turns to like exposed <sighs> so horse cool. bones and stuff. Slain's thrown and he wakes up tied to the ground. The Lord Weird standing over him with a wicked dagger. Well, I mean, it's a succotripe, as we know. Ooh. The uh, the credits page picks up uh, where we left Man. with the murderous knife-wielding Slaufeg. It's only Getting one way to here. fight that is with a real good hump. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense because Slaufeg's climbing over Slain, and from his words, he's clearly about to cut off Slain's dick and or balls here. A lot of I mean, references real sexy about it. To, to golden boughs and twin fruits and things of that nature. I, um, it's, it's why I love reading what he says. It's, it is some of the most intoxicating writing I've seen in the pages since forever, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, Slain, in response, thrusts on upward and impales Slaufeg <laughs> with the tusks of his wild boar championship belt he's been wearing for the last couple issues. One in, you know, the, the king of the ring. So. Well, yeah. I mean, he became, he beat those other guys to become the Ard Re, and because of that, he got the championship belt. Obviously. Oh, no, sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. He's got the King of Kings title. They aren't called belts, pal. <laughs> I, I, I love you so much. That's official nomenclature, all right? Um, where am I at? Yeah. Slain comes up, um, uh, untying himself, but he's grabbed by the drones and Feg starts to use his unholy powers to heal himself. The hairy helmets hold Slain down except for one leg. And that leg is very close to a gay bulger, a a bellows spear. I mean, we're going to just cut you right through the, the cock and balls, basically. As the Lord Weird advances on Slain, the High King grabs the spear with his toes and throws it at the at the wizard priest and get him right through the uh, wedding tackle. Oh God, it just goes straight through I, his junk and out his butt. It's terrible. There's there's like a thing being said here that I wish we could unpack, but mostly I'm just very happy about like a serrated blade going through a man's. Weird slough fagish genitals. 
Definitely. Yeah. Um, there's a crazy moment here as the two horn gods talk. We see Slaufeg is wordy and south and self-aggrandizing and slain is curt and to the point, you know, it seems I die now. Your bloody spear rending my guts. You will. Like that kind of thing. It's, 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 it's really almost as though there was a young goddess, a middle goddess and an old goddess. You know? All right, man. I'm just trying to call out what I'm seeing on the page here. You don't got to like try to I, one-up I, me I, with your I, mythology I, I, knowledge, that's not buddy. Brinksmanship. I'm saying that you're doing exactly that. I'd like, I'd, I'd like the... Yeah, no, it's there's, solid. There's some shit going on here that I really respect. Yeah. The bloody spear's hanging out of him. He, uh, Slaufeg sees the faces of the earth goddesses jeering down on him. They have one last curse for their husband as the mighty <laughs> dickworm Krom Kruak bursts into visibility, sucks Slaufeg through some kind of sphincter, and then onto Scythrule as Maeve looks on screaming. She's doing a full, like, no, I mean, kind like, of thing. No, but also, like, I feel like he was pretty alright with that he seemed to be laughing the whole time before yeah, the show he was all right with it she is not all right with it that's the difference oh. now things move fast though fox the great tidal wave has come the drune lords go to escape on their sky ships oh. and the remaining tribes of the earth goddess are forced to withstand the oncoming tidal wave set to destroy them tir nanog is now tir foe tween the land under the waves and bitch it's nap time I'm goddamn Uko. I I'm gonna yeah. have me a nap, but I did think he died right there because they were. I mean, the foreshadowing hurts, you know. Yeah, it no, yeah, scared. it's the end of an era, the end of everything. As an a as an aging Uko drops his skull and possibly dies, at least passes out, and then has the best dream ever. I love. <laughs> I love a ripped echo. I'm not gonna. Lie. Yeah, the next, the next, uh, the final prog we're talking about this time. Uh, the credit page is a little baby Ucko, age one and a half. And suddenly we see Ucko as young and buff and killing everybody, especially slain as he begs for mercy. And then all the ladies are after him as it should be. And it's all pretty awesome. I, I mean, is he not the one that I want to win the whole time? He's the best, but uh, it turns out old Uck, it's old Ucko is just real old. He's sleeping in his bed in the Eternal Fortress, dreaming. Um, Do you notice me- how much it looks like a like a manger, like a baby's bed? In a the little top bit, shot? yeah. Nestus brought his friend Mor Ron, the dung collector, whose stench is enough to wake him. His stench is enough to wake up any nose. man from just his nose. Yeah, that's how bad the stench is from only his nose. <laughs> Back at it, Ucko is telling the tale. Slain uses the Stone of Destiny to grab to drag the sky ships down, where they're hijacked by Slain's people, and then the blood of those drones is used to repower them and let them escape. And then we go quickly to some meta commentary, Fox. Oh, yeah. So it's been brought to my attention that Pat Mills based the character of Ucko on long-time t- IPC editor and publisher uh, John Sanders, who's basically like the boss of the nice. editors of 2000 AD at this point that and stuff. That does not feel nice. No, it's not a nice version of him. Um, and we're basically at a point that very much feels like a conversation that Mills might have had with Stan- with Sanders dumb, um, dumb about this lane like shit. Yeah, no, it felt that way where it's like, everybody's dumb so just give them their dumb shit 
Well, uh, yeah, I mean, basically, Ness says that she wants to include details about how the Earth Goddess destroyed these cities and slain because uh, they were getting too big and they'd lost their connection to the roots of the Earth and stuff. And just generally more about, like, how this whole thing is a mythical attempt to redefine the nature of a hero within the a matriarchal origin myth and stuff. So Whereas Ukko feels- just says, like, let's have some more hacking and people getting killed and stuff. That's That's what's fun. That's what people want to read. So to me, it feels more like you could have just done that and taken it on the cheek uh, to make people feel a thing. But instead, you you used your thing to complain about, like, your boss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think that's what it is. And I mean, it's not like... I mean, at this point, like, Mills is pretty disgruntled with IPC management in general. I mean, we saw this in the last... In a, and that ABC Warriors story oh, yeah. where there was that 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 great robot that was like, you know, reduced to shittiness by accountants and stuff like that. I mean, Mills is very much using his position as this writer of an incredibly popular prestige comic to get his licks in against but a 14 you know, year old his bosses he doesn't that. like, you know? What? You know, a 14-year-old isn't going to get that necessarily. So just do the thing you want and for you, take it on the chin. I mean, if they don't get it, then I feel like that's honestly a plus because it means that he could vent and the kid just kind of chuckles at people having this conversation, you know? Like, this feels more, less like I am making a point and more like I'm going to, I'm using some of my real life frustrations to, you know, also fuel my story and maybe have like a a kind of funny moment here or something like that. You know what, Conrad? What? I concede. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just think no, that's no, sort of I, like, honestly, I don't know. I, I'm not, like I don't know if I'm a... arguing whether it works or not. I'm just saying that no, I think that's I think what that that's the actually... genesis of it is. I will I'm say not... that this is sort of something like w- when we finished up Halo Jones and I said that I, I, mm. I wouldn't want, even if like, you know, whatever they got to get, like if they got like millions of dollars and were able to get Alan oh, Moore and God. Ian Gibson to write like a Halo Jones book for like next year imagine? or something like that. I wouldn't want them to because it would basically, no. I bet 100% that a Halo Jones book for now would mostly be about um, like a lack of ethics within British, pub- British, British comics publishing. Um, it, 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 <laughs> it, it, it would be less stuff. about the story and more about the writer. Right. Yeah, but 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 I mean, but I'm just I'm just basically like I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to get this background here because I feel like this this conversation and one we're gonna have next episode within the comic, I think, like gains some extra background when you realize that it is like I you know I could certainly see when they're trying to market this comic to um, other people and stuff. Mills being very into his matriarchal mythology ideas and history I, and stuff like that, and being very much like told by you know and, and, and having to fight for those things versus an editorial that mostly just wants like uh, blood and boobs, essentially. I so I, I mean, obviously we both felt that. I. It it is why <laughs> we'll get there yet. It, this this was a very important part of the comic for me because it, yeah. it, it was such a sideline and it felt like it came out of not nowhere, but definitely I wasn't what? expecting it. 
Let's I think it, it is way. important to say generally just because it does otherwise make the earth goddess appear very treacherous yes. and untrustworthy and messes with the idea of the story in general, you know, that I, but I you go so, on this quest and get fucked over anyway. Like, that's a weird, that's not a great message in terms of just heroism and stuff. No, I think. but I, but I also like that even if it's disruptive, I guess not, not for the, the, the necessary inherent message that he might not have been trying to send. But I will say that I got very quickly, uh, especially in in 695, uh, it's very clear that he's uh, not happy about the current situation of things or or what he wants to say. Like in in 694 and 695, it's like, fuck the censors, effectively. Which, yeah, kind of. I mean, if you've got a or, platform, I mean, maybe less censors and more like like editors or something like that. I guess because well, it's less if you're that he, the top dude. It's it's those people editing you, right? Right, but yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, because I feel like I feel like the, like it's weird to like it's we to me it's it's uh, like I wouldn't call them censors because I feel like a censor would fair. be arguing for more talking for, about for ethics less and, and less blood. talking about cutting <laughs> people's heads off and stuff. Whereas these guys are very much in favor of of, of head cutting and stuff. That's, They're so I very much want the blood and guts. That that's um, fair. That's that's. Uh, Note As taken. opposed to talking about, you know, whatever, I, Celtic myth I, or something. So it, I, it will come as no surprise. This is this was a very big thing for me just because it, it felt like the author directly talking to me as a man of 35, right? Fair enough. Uh, and one where it was, we're just trying to find like the middle ground on things, but very clearly like the, the potential death of Ucko is is not death of the author in terms of the french death of the author it's like they're trying to constrain me from telling my story if that Uh makes sense kind of i mean like i think that that's sort of counterpointed by the fact that like because i i feel like in this situation mills is is way more identifying with nest than he is with with ucko oh yeah so oh, yeah. I don't I don't know how much Ucko dying has to do like I feel like those are sort of separate points within no, that's what, the, no, that's what, with, with, within so, the subtext sorry, sorry. of what we're saying, you know? That, like what I what I, I suppose what I mean is he wants Ucko to die in order to say that that is bad. That what maybe, Ucko I mean, is trying to project is the bad part and the dumb friend who uh wakes him up is the thing that is like, oh, we think this is what audiences want, whereas Nest is like, I'm just trying to make the story. It doesn't matter if all these things go away. Yeah, I mean, I'd separate... I mean, honestly, I haven't really figured out how um, Ucko being sort of in the midst of death has to do with the editorial part of it. But right now, like in this microcosm of it, I feel like your Romana cleft... Oh, God, I'm using all these words... But um, like like Nest is Mills, um, Ucko is John Sanders, and then uh, the dung collector whose name is literally Moron is like the public at large that doesn't know what it wants, basically. So uh, I, I, I'll say this much, man. You know a lot more about this stuff than me. It's more of that I 
this was one of my favorite parts of this month. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's cool. No, I just no, think it's no, also there's just, just extra stuff going on with it, you know? So I'm, I'm trying what to I, let what you I know. What I like about it is that there was – it felt like a conversation that I was lent into, if that means yeah. anything. For sure. Cool. Okay. Um. So anyway – as the head, as the ships head west toward new lands in Ireland, they come under attack from a fleet of monsters led by Maeve on her spirit dragon. Monsters from the Ale World, from the sky, they set upon our heroes. Vengeance for Fag. Next time, L hath no fury. Like a, a stink scorn. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Nailed it. Episode 228. Progs 696 to 699. September and October 1990. Thrill 3. Slay. Oh man. There's so much good art in this. Watching oh, the, yeah, it's the amazing. dragon eat two people at once is pretty rad. Uh, yeah, definitely. Script by Pat Mills, art about Simon Bisley, letter about Steve Potter. Um, we're in the home stretch of the Horn God. The credits page has a sketch of Dung Collector Moor Ron, and we're in the final stage of the battle. Um, Slaufeg's been killed, but the witch Maeve is more than willing to avenge his death and kill Slane and all of his people as they are on sky ships trying to go to get to safety. Gotta appeal to the goddess of death. Yeah, we see her standing around all sexy, summoning demons and dragons and stuff. She's calling on the destructive side of the goddess of nature, like this goddess of death aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Well, Slain calls on the goddess of life aspect of Danu. Um, and again, invoking the objects of power, as you do. Um, Maeve summons strange creatures from the L worlds, these gray demons that eat people's faces. Pretty and rad. they generally... Oh, go ahead. I said pretty rad. Oh, yeah, 100%. And they are sort of dueling for the favor of the nature goddess. The, as this happens, the druid Cathbad admonishes Slain. And it seems reasonable to me, to be honest. Yep. But, you know, tr Slain's not, not trying to hear it at this point. I mean, not in the mood for your shit right now. <laughs> yeah. In the end, Slain makes his case. Like, hey, if you let Maeve have her way, she'll kill everybody. And then what's going to be the fun of that? Everybody's going to be dead. You know, come mm. on. Won't you, why don't you why don't you just kill us slowly and have fun that way? It's the old uh, the old two bulls joke, right? Like you know, like where the the young bull says, "Let's run down and fuck one of those cows," and the older <laughs> bull says, "Hey, let's walk down and fuck them all." You know, so that's what Slane's offering there. <laughs> and and then to, to sweeten the pot, he uses a magic words. That's right. Yeah, he recites the ancient lover's charm, Sato, Arepo, Tenant. Opera Rotas. Okay. Uh, this is the Sator, the uh, the Sator Square from antiquity. The oldest version was found written on a wall in the ruins of Pompeii. It is one of the more, you know, it's a, it's it's one, of, it's like a slightly more obscure set of magic words, but sort of in that same thing as like abracadabra and etc. Mm. That have like sort of historical, mystical thingamajigs. In slain, it's a lover's charm, and when you say it to a lady, she can't resist you. I guess. All right, this, there, bud. Brings Danu's favor and um, Slain warps out to an insane degree and the rest of the members of the Earth tribe warp out with him. Oh, man. This is real good shit. Yeah, they slight... They fight back against Mace forces, slaughtering and butchering. But that's all we know. Because as he tells this tale, 
Uko passes out into a coma, and his part of the no. tale is over. Not my stinky buddy. Seriously. So the part 10 credits page is a close-up on a big old wild boar. With Ucko dead, the narrative continues with Nest telling the tale based on ancient texts, including the, uh, the, the, uh, the Tan, which is the Tan Bow uh, Kolnia, okay. and the Book of Invasions, which are these both sort of uh, real historical record or records or books, accounts of ancient Irish history. Um, and it basically, and all this stuff seems to confirm Slane as the historical Irish folk hero, uh, 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 Ku Klain, mm-hmm. which is a, which is a whole thing, basically. Okay. Um, Nest's account here is very dry and constantly referring back to the texts Ugh. as we get just some awesome bub- word bubble-less Simon Bisley art oh, of this yeah. crazy warped warriors killing everybody and stuff. It's pretty awesome. Biting people, getting, oh man, it's just so gross and so great. There's a real... There's a really great one I, I actually really like of uh, Maeve falling from the sky as her dragon f- uh, falls dead next to, mm-hmm. to her and stuff. That's really neat. But basically, Maeve's defeated and all the tribes of the Earth Goddess flee to the empty island of Ireland. Once it was like sort of mountains, but now it's just sort of land where they establish their kingdoms. Pretty cool. Um, and let's draw lots. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well oh, first yeah. we cut back to the uh, to the Eternal Fortress <clears throat> where we see Nest talking to another druid. There's some more sort of behind-the-scenes um, stuff where they talk about how um, Slaufeg getting that spear through the junk might have been Ucko's dramatic retelling <laughs> of, of standard emasculation rites involved in the power, in, in transfer of power among the Celts, you know? Mm. Just sort of more of the stuff like last time where we talked, where Nest was sort of trying to talk about the, you know, matriarchal underpinnings of the events of the story, whereas Ucko was very much in favor of just talking about more blood and guts and things like Hell that. Yeah. Um, along that, along those lines, I really like that the High Druid is basically saying, like, yeah, no, I, I, I know you can finish writing the story, Nest, <laughs> but. I'd rather hear Ucko's version of it because I guess he was an eyewitness account, but sort of the unsaid thing is, and his version is exciting while your version is really goddamn boring. (laughs) (laughs) So crack an egg on his head and spill his gross ass juice in his mouth. All right. Yeah. They 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 crack a time worm egg and pour it into Ucko's mouth, which grants him eternal youth so he can keep writing stories. He suddenly gets reborn as a young Ucko, all frisky. He tries to drop the uh, Sator Arepo on Nest, and she just slaps him, you know. Yeah, and he's back do. to saga writing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it seems Slane's running his kingdom all crazily and egalitarian, giving out land by drawing lots so that's fairly distributed, putting aside some land and crops for the old and the sick and stuff. It's terrible. If everyone shares everything, there's nothing to steal. Think of the, think of the thieves. Yeah, don't be a dick here, Slane. <laughs> yeah, don't be a dick by helping people, you jerk. I, I know, what a fucking asshole this guy. <laughs> Goddamn hippies, Fox. That's what I'm trying to say. Now let's go uh, flay a man and eat his body. Yeah, well, very much. I mean... This whole time, from the start of um, from from the start of this story, we've definitely been teasing that it'll end in Slane's death. You know mm-hmm. that, like you know, he's got this. He's you know he's he's been made a king of the Earth Goddess, and that 
uh, kingship has term limits, and in seven years they kill you, basically. Hey, okay. So this starts off with kind of a fake out as we see um, a set. The, the credits page is a semi-crucified king walking to their fate, and it starts with a funeral of a king at the end of a seven-year reign, covered in greenery, beaten and flayed, impaled. He'll soon be butchered, eaten alive as part of the druidic rites. His head cured and used for sports. But it turns out that this was just King Ga- King Gan and Slain's fine. I mean, that guy was and, already pretty out there. Yeah. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, things are going okay in his kingdom. Um, he promises Ukko that Ukko, that the dwarf will die when his reign ends. <laughs> and we see stuff like uh, the law of the land. Like if you have a grievance with someone, you have you can you, you sit outside their house on a hunger strike um, until it's resolved. And the person who you're, sit- house, you're sitting in front of has to take an, a, a hunger strike as well. God. So Ukko has his force to return stolen goods to the people that he stole stuff from, basically. Well, you know, he always likes to stick it to that poor dwarf. Yeah, and we're pretty much cleaning up house here. Mm-hmm. Um, after Neve's marriage ended, um, she and Slain get married, but also for another year contracts. So we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Neve's ex-husband Rory heading off into the sunset with some burly dude. I'm, which I'm pretty cool about that. Listen, I'm cool with that in 2020, but this is clearly supposed to be a joke making fun of this guy in, in 1990. Um and uh, Slain and Neve are very happy, and so the story ends, for now. There's more to tell, Ukko teases, about how the Kingdom of Pleasure was ruled, how Slain died and Ukko escaped, and Slain's later adventures, which were some of the greatest ones ever, some say. Okay. And we end with Slain walking off into the sunset as the narration explains that all the kings of, I- of the land of the young settled in different parts of Ireland, which was split into five kingdoms, which meet in the middle on a hill where the navel of Ireland stands. And one day Slain himself would grow to become the king of all of Ireland. God damn. Yeah, listen, uh, before the show, we talked about my uh, Crusader Kings 2 playing Fox. Fuck yeah. And that's a and, uh, 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 pro tip for Crusader Kings 2 and probably pr- pr- uh, Crusader Kings 3 out now, I'm, I'm assuming, um, is that uh, Ireland's a good place to start when, when you're learning that game. Mm. You know, it's relatively low stakes. You're disconnected from a lot of the other uh, more powerful kingdoms and stuff like that. So you sort of just, you know, bash heads with other Irish leaders and stuff. Hell yeah. But you do get us from that game. I do have a sense of where these different Irish kingdoms are and where they meet in the middle and stuff. And it's very much implied that that rock of destiny um, that was one of the one of the great uh, treasures of the Earth Goddesses kept there and stuff like that. Oh, awesome. Anyway, yeah. So, whatever. Um, <laughs> the last page is an explanation of sources that Pat Mills used and explanations of terms, including, like, a concept of a historical slain of the... Tribes of the Earth of the Earth Goddess or the Furbolg, the Stone of Destiny, Crom Cruach, and other kind of stuff like that, and the books that Slain refer or that Mills referred to for Slain, the end of Slain the Horn God. Yeah, awesome. What a story. Yeah, it was real good. Uh, yeah, know, is he coming back? Oh yeah, uh, you know Slain will return, but for, we'll, we'll have a bunch of Pat Mills detours before then. Um, next week, actually, we'll start with a brief one with uh, Nemesis, the Warlock, and the ABC Warriors, and that'll and, and we'll have Fuck a little yeah. bit more of that. Then uh, we'll have um, modern day eco terrorists, but still connected very much to the mythology of Slain Finn. Um, after that, and Slain himself 
we'll be back in uh, summer of 1993, where the okay. pride will be a very different place. Oof. That's a long time from right now. Yeah, well, there, I mean, you know, there's going to be other other Mills stuff as it goes by. I think mm-hmm. Mills, you know, with the success of Slain, I wonder if Pat Mills is, wasn't worried about being typecast as the Slain guy. Nah. I guess so. He's sort of branching out into other things, and I'll say that he does end up being typecast as the Slain as the Slain <laughs> guy right now. Like as we're recording this in late August 2020, uh, Mills Zach, Pat Mills has actually said that he's basically done with 2000 AD because all they do is want him to. Come on for more slain. He's tired of that stuff. Hey, man. You got it. He, he seems like a dude who likes to stretch his legs a bit. Yeah. And not before there'll be a billion more slains. I will say this is pretty much the end of Simon Bisley in the Prague. Um, he'll be back for one more slain story many years from now. But otherwise, this is his real swan song. Um, a lot of swan songs. This is his real like sort of final work. He'll show up a bit more in the uh, in the magazine hmm. doing some stuff. God, he's got, some dread he's got great fucking taste, man. He's really good at, yeah. at like just making aesthetic. He no, really I mean, he's does a, a lot of texture. It's like I loved that like giant crown with a bunch of like growing branches and claws, and that's ah, great. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Bill's, Bisley's an amazing artist, and that basically means that he can't, you know, he just can't stick around 2000 AD. He's onto far greener pastures. Mm-hmm. And do some more stuff. I believe he he actually does do the art for Judgment on on Judgment on Gotham, the uh, the dread the the dread Batman crossover, which again I've got sort of in my queue for us to talk about at some point. Hell yeah, yeah, good times. That's slain, buddy. Woo, two big thrills to start us. You know, finishing off two big thrills that have been with us for a long time. I mean, the Horn God's been with us. We we would talk about that forever. I feel like yeah, big time. It's uh, it is. It is, uh, I feel like I'm going to miss that a whole lot because goddamn, if it wasn't just like this nice little heartbeat. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, it's definitely an, an, an end of an era, I think, as mm. we sort of finish this up in Prague six, in, in, the, in the 600s. And that was the Horn God. As I mentioned in the episode, uh, after the Horn God, Slain takes a bit of a break for a few years, which we're actually nearing the end of in the Prague timeline as I'm recording this, as we'll have Slain action starting again in 1993. In between those times, Pat Mills, of course, stayed busy as a writer. We've seen adventures from both Nemesis and the ABC Warriors since the Horn God ended, as well as adventures for the new character Finn and the Return of Flesh. Meanwhile, Simon Bisley, of course, went off to do any number of things, most notably on this podcast, the Dread Batman crossover Judgment on Gotham, as well as a few heavy metal Dread strips over in the magazine. My Top Horn God moments. Ooh, I'm always a sucker for stories about gathering up a bunch of magical items for mystical deeds. So, of course, the early parts of the Horn God trying to get all of the uh, weapons of the goddess together and stuff like that was right up my alley. Um, I also like the way that Slain does it with the focus on sharing the items. Like, he's not stealing them from these different kings. He's instead forging a union between the kings of the Cesare together to sort of form a society or, or a union, I guess. So I think it's kind of interesting and more in keeping with how, with how uh, Mills describes, you know, the nature of the earth goddess and stuff like that um, another big moment was the was the nooker's death which which is pretty great if of course very sad bisley's art is of course top shelf and you know it's the death of a character we've had since the bellardinelli days in slain so it does kind of hit hard 
even if it is just kind of a dragon that doesn't really talk or anything like that. Also, those final interchanges between Slane and Ukko as Ukko, you know, considers harvesting the sapphire eyes of the Nooker and stuff like that are pretty hilarious. Finally, I'll always remember the big showdown between Slane and Slaufeg. Old Horn God versus New, Strong Dude versus Wizen Corpse, Fertility versus Impotency. And, you know, in the course of it, Slane finally uses that crazy tusk belt he wears as a weapon to uh, finish the Slaufeg off. Plus, there's apparently deeper paganism in there, based around crotch, spearings, etc. What more can you ask for for a story? That's what I want to know. And with that, I hope you enjoyed our coverage of Slain. This is a big one, of course, you know, many chapters, many episodes in the course of this Slain story. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com, the 2080 forums, or on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, just look up Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. And hey, why not drop us a rating or review? you wherever you're listening it helps us out a lot this show is brought to you by steve green robert hardingham same kit miller nick klein sorge and your friends at the 2080 forums if you'd like to join them and help support the show we'd appreciate it please check out our patreon at patreon.com slash that's our podcast network there you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards including advanced episodes coverage of modern 2080 the magazine and monthly q a's with fox and myself Thanks for listening to this collection. We'll be back soon with awesome 2080 action. Until then, I'm Conrad, and this has been the Space Spinner 2000 collection for Slain the Horned God. Splendig for three!